Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Tuesday night into a Wednesday morning as we take down another overnight shift uh, this week. Uh, Plenty to get into throughout the course of the night. It is the first day of training camp today down at the NovaCare Complex, so we'll talk some football. Mike, you disclosed to me before the show, you're not a big training camp guy? That was very, very troubling news. Who doesn't love some good training camp fodder? What's up with that? I just don't like when it's, um, like, we all lose our minds and, like, become obsessed with uh understand. training camp. Un- understand. I'm good on that. Understandable. We do I'll see you guys opening day. This is the time of the year where we do way mu- way too much um analyzing of like the 51st man on the roster. Yeah. A guy who like like I just pulling a name out of my my uh ear right now. Like a guy like Kayvon Wallace is a guy that we'll talk sure. about a lot who is probably not going to have a lot of consequence to the season coming up. But it's fun. You know, it's fun to create these storylines, talk some football. What do we got? Our first preseason game two weeks from Thursday, I believe? Yeah, August 12th. Nice. That I'm excited for. Nice. So exciting stuff. So we'll get into training camp a little later on. An update on the Deshaun Watson situation. We we discussed that plenty last night. And it doesn't seem like anything's really going to happen soon in terms of punishment. And that leads me to believe any sort of trade could happen a lot quicker than we ever expected it to. So we'll get to that. There's some Olympic stuff that I want to talk about. Um, some more Sixers rumors uh, heating up as we head toward the draft. Um, and really next week with free agency when I think uh, NBA news is really going to start to break and things are really going to start picking up here. But we'll start with the Phillies. And there's a lot of stuff we got to get to with the Phillies today. We will get to coming up the whole trade, non-trade, did the Phillies have an agreement? Did they not have an agreement um, with the Tyler Anderson situation? We'll get to that. Uh, It was pretty interesting as that whole thing was falling apart. I was actually with Mr. Dave Dombrowski. And I, I, how about this, Mike? I wished him good luck uh, as, after the interview. You know, I, 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 on his way out the door, he said, thank you. And I said, thank, thank you as well. Good luck this week. And he yeah. said, thank you for, thank you to, to me. So uh, today when, um, when I was finding my way to my seat, I strolled past your booth there mm-hmm. and I, you know, I once I glanced in, cause I, it's not like I went out of my way to look in, but I, I looked, I looked into it 
And all I saw was Dave Dombrowski in an office chair, like reclining, just kind of hanging out. He's a very presidential looking man, is he not? Yeah, he's a very, yeah, very sharp looking man. I can see why Middleton likes him. Yes. And then you uh, just like texting or looking down at something. <laughs> yeah. So just <laughs> my view of the booth was just you and Dave Dombrowski just hanging out. Oh, yeah. Watching some BP. My, my huge ass desk is covering where Scott would be. Yeah. yeah. So you can't see him. But uh, we'll get to that. Uh, coming up and what happened there. But as for the game, Phillies lose to the Nats 6-4 to four on Tuesday night. And this was a tough one and a frustrating one. And anytime you lose, it's going to be frustrating. But right off the bat, Phillies fall behind 3-0. Josh Bell, a, a big three-run homer in the first. Before you know it, it's 6-1 as Matt Moore gets shelled again, as I said. Three-run homer to Bell in the first. In the second... An absolute bomb hit by Juan Soto to left center, which you just don't see. I heard Gilio talking about this during the final out, and he's he's right. Like you don't see many left-handed batters hit the ball to that part of the park like that deep, like into that left center area, ten rows deep. So not something you typically see. And Juan Soto uh, got a significant hold of that one, um, and really right off the bat. Phillies playing from behind again, down six to one. And it was a really bad start in this game. And in complete fairness, it wasn't totally Matt Moore's fault because he got some shoddy defense behind him. Um, we'll get to Didi Gregorius later on in the show because this is becoming a, a significant issue now for the Phillies because he's not hitting, he's not playing the field well. And really, Didi Gregorius is a complete liability for you in every way. And we'll get to that later on and how I feel like the 60-game season really, I I think, gave the Phillies a false impression of what Didi Gregorius is at this point in his career. Um, But, you know, at the plate, he's killing you. In the field, he's killing you. And they only owe him $14 next year. So don't worry about that. Um, but that's part of the story as well, but you can't excuse Matt Moore who, who can't do what he did in this game and put your team in this kind of significant hole. He gets through four innings. The bullpen actually comes in and does a decent enough job. Chase Anderson, just off the COVID IL first time we've seen him in what, two months came in and actually looked pretty sharp in his two innings of work. Um, do you think they used his COVID situation to, to like turn it into like an excuse to hide him for thirty days off the active roster? I don't know. I, I mean, was thinking about that. Yeah, I, he was uh, out, you know, for a while. Certainly, yeah. um, I don't think anybody really cares because it's Chase Anderson. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, he th- that's a possibility. And I, I give him credit; he looked good in his two innings tonight. Um, so he gives you two. Connor Brogdon comes in. He's Pitches a scoreless inning. Alvarado looked good in his appearance. Even De Los Santos came in and took down the ninth, which I didn't know what Girardi was doing at that point. It's a two-run ball game. I was stunned he went to De Los Santos, and if De Los Santos got shelled again, I would have crushed him for that, honestly. Well, he was trying to sneak him past 7-8-9 because... Um, yeah, but I mean... like, but Carter Keyboom stinks. That could... Like he's pretty bad. He was supposed to be a prospect. I I actually thought he was gonna be like awesome. I, I was wrong. Like he's terrible. Um, and then R- Robles stinks. But yeah, I mean he got away. And then he, had, he got the 
you know, the Wiley veteran Ryan Zimmerman out on a pitch, you know, in the Phillies dugout. Yeah, Zim. Um, but uh, De Los Santos ends up giving you a scoreless inning, and the Phillies, they answered offensively. They end up scoring four, you know, really bad luck with Brad Miller in the fourth inning, where you have a guy in scoring position. At this point, it's a 6-2 game. Brad Miller hits a rocket up the middle, and he just, like, bounces right off Fetty and literally right to the first baseman, like right at the bag. It was pretty incredible, the, the lack of luck that you have in that situation. But the Phils get it to 6-2 there. They come back in the fifth, and an unconventional back-to-back home run situation where Bryce Harper, it's an inside-the-park home run. A, an exciting moment for me because I, I believe in all my years of going to baseball games, I think that's the first time I've ever seen inside par- the park home run live. So that was cool to see. Um, and especially from like where our vantage point is above home plate, you can kind of see it transpiring. And initially, I did not think he was going to make it, but then it became clear once they had trouble picking the ball up in center field. That's what allowed him to score. Yeah, I missed. They it seemed like they they couldn't agree on who was picking it up. Yeah, it was. It, I didn't see exactly what happened because I was watching. I was watching what Harper. Was. Yeah. yeah, but uh, he ends up getting the inside the park homer. McCutcheon backs that up with a uh, you know more conventional home run and all of a sudden it's a 6-4 game in the bottom of the 5th and it's hats that, everywhere yeah and at that point i thought i'm i'm like all right well i think this is a game the phillies are going to come back and win like it seemed like that it seemed like the momentum had shifted and the phillies were in a position to come back and win this game but the offense unable to get it done late it was weird how in the ninth inning, it was essentially the same exact situation. You had Brad Hand on the mound. You had the top of the order do up. Gene Segura gets the second on the opening at bat of the inning. And it did feel like, okay, well, here we go again. But Phil's unable to do it. JT Real Muto hits one off the end of the bat, which he really got a hanging slider to hit. Uh, just missed it. Um, Bryce then uh, pops up. And Andrew McCutcheon this time strikes out. And that is the ball game as the Phil's unable to duplicate that magic from a night ago. And they lose six to four. But this game to me only further reinforces, you know, what what I have talked about last night and what we have discussed for weeks. And as we discuss what this team needs, and we talked about the bullpen and additional bats, but this team needs starting pitching. In the worst way. Because you cannot continue to put yourself in these sort of situations where you are digging yourself a four, five run hole. Like, yeah, you were lucky to be able to come back on Monday night. And sure, the offense had opportunities. They could have gotten some more big hits and could have scored some more runs, and and this is a good offense against a bad Nationals bullpen. And sure, you can make that argument that the Phillies should have been able to score some runs, take advantage of their opportunities, and end up winning this ballgame. But it is so difficult when every single night you're digging yourself these significant holes. And it is a massive issue right now, the starting pitching on this team. Here was Joe Girardi after the game uh, talking about the starters and them basically just needing to, needing to perform better. 
been a little bit more difficult as of late. You know, we did a pretty good job, you know, for four or five series, and, and lately we've struggled a little bit, and we need to do better. Um, that's the bottom line. we got to find people to get us outs, and we need to do better. And I honestly feel for Joe Girardi in this situation because he's saying it right there. I mean, that is a plea to your front office. Like, we need to find guys who can go out and pitch. Like, and I don't think Joe Girardi's done a fantastic job by any means, even though I do think he's been better as of late than he was earlier on. But I don't know what you expect from a team and from a manager when right now you're in a situation where three out of every five days you're running out Spencer Howard, Vince Velasquez, and Matt Moore. Like, that is not uh, three-fifths of a rotation that is going to get you to the postseason. 60% of your rotation cannot feature guys like that, a guy in Spencer Howard who can't make it through three innings or four innings without having some sort of issue. Vince Velasquez, who is just infuriating. (laughs) And stinks. And, you know, even when he gets touched up for six, seven runs, you take him out of the game, that's on you. I mean, he's got a lot of arm left. you got to let him work through that, uh, as Vince says. And we get we get Vince again on Thursday now. So, great. We get to see him make another start. Or Matt Moore, a guy who some nights will be fine, but most of the time, what happened tonight is going to happen with Matt Moore. I mean, Matt Moore in July, five starts, 22 and two-thirds, 18 earned runs. That's a 7.15 ERA while averaging less than four and two thirds in the month of July. Like that is not going to get it done. There is no way you could. And and he may not even be your worst starter. Like think about that. Those numbers in ERA over seven. And right now he might be the three. He might be your number three starter in the rotation. This is not a sustainable situation for a team that is trying to make the playoffs. And they have less than 48 hours now. They're at what? Like 38 hours, I think, until the trade deadline. It's 4 p.m. 4 p.m. Friday, actually. So a little less than 72 hours to get this done and make some significant moves. And you look at the Phillies and you also look at the Mets. Look at both those teams tonight. When you run out a starter who is incapable of getting people out, whether it's Matt Moore at the Phillies or Jared Eikhoff with the Mets, you're going to get smoked. You're going to get lit up. And the Phillies are very fortunate right now that the Mets are dealing with a lot of issues with their rotation themselves. But if you don't have starting pitching, you don't have a chance. And I know starters don't go as deep as they used to. I know bullpens get more work. But starting pitching is still so important. And this is a division that you have an opportunity to win. And here was Dave Dombrowski in his pregame spot with Scott Fransky talking about the fact that this is a, a division that they see as very winnable. We are only 500, a game above 500. We're only three and a half games out of first place. And we're also in a position where the club that's ahead of us and right behind us, I don't think any of them are overwhelming. But let's just say we were in the West right now Mm -hmm. of the National League. We probably have a different thought process at this point. But we can win our division. Yeah, you can. But only if you go out and add to this team. And Dave Dombrowski, as I see it, has two days to reinforce this rotation, which is clearly, 
I mean, it couldn't be any more clear. For as much as we talked about the bullpen, the starting rotation is such a bigger need at this point for this team. And if they are going to win this division, they need to get guys in here to start games, give them some length, and get people out. And if they don't, I mean, they're not going to win a winnable division. It's pretty simple. It's going to hinge on what happens in the next, you know, two and a half days. And I've said a lot of it's going to depend on the core players that are here. I still feel that way. But there is no way that you can make it, even if the core players produce with this starting rotation. Spencer Howard, Vince Velasquez, Matt Moore, they're not quality players. Not for a not for a team battling for a division title. And that is what the responsibility that falls on Dave Dombrowski as we head toward Friday's deadline. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. I, I want um, your takes on the trade deadline here. And do you agree? I mean, I, I kind of find it hard not to at this point. That starting pitching is a major need. And the Phillies need to go out and find a way to get it done. I don't know. I, I don't care what it costs from a financial standpoint. Honestly, at this point, I don't really care that much what it costs from a prospect standpoint. Like, go out and get guys that can come in and help you win a, an extremely winnable division. The Mets are not very good. The Braves are not very good. Like, this is a an, an opportunity that... You cannot afford to waste. Starting pitching needs to be the top priority for this front office over the next couple days. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Want your thoughts on the fills and the state of this starting rotation right, right now, which is an absolute abomination. So we will continue discussing that. And when we get back, we'll get to the Tyler Anderson saga from... Um, Tuesday, because if you didn't, if you don't know exactly what went down, we will, uh, explain everything, you know, the whole timeline of this on Tuesday, because it was very odd. It seemed like the Phillies had made their first move of the trade deadline. It seemed like they had acquired a starter that could come in and solidify things a little bit, but the deal has fallen apart. That player is going somewhere else. We'll explain how it all went down, and we'll let you know what Dave Dombrowski had to say while all this turmoil was taking place. And also, the other GM of the team, Bryce Harper, uh, commented on the situation as well. We always need Bryce's comments on uh, personnel. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Wednesday morning. If you want to get in, uh, we got open lines right now. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494. If you would like to get in, uh, I'd like to talk to you about the trade deadline and your thoughts as we head toward it now with the Phillies. As you know, they, they certainly are an incomplete team. They have needs, but this is a winnable division. And this starting pitching situation right now is just not sustainable. There's no way it's sustainable for this team to three out of every five days, now that you're without Eflin, and, you know, he's re- going to remain on the IL, whatever 
is going on with his knee. Does not seem to be getting cleared up as quickly as the Phillies would like it to. We'll miss at least another start. Um, And you just don't have anybody to throw out there right now. You know, we're in a spot right now where after, like, I feel like this has happened now three times in the last few days where Matt Moore has this start and so well Matt Moore can't start again well it's like okay who are you going to start over him Vince and his horrible start on Saturday it's like okay well that'll be Vince's last start no Vince is slated to pitch again on Thursday because you have nobody else you can throw out there Spencer Howard Monday night again it lets you down only goes three innings that you know they say the blister was painful, but they think he should be able to start on Saturday. It's like, okay, well, that should be Spencer Howard's last start anyway. No, you have nobody else. So guess who's penciled in right now as Saturday's starter? It's Spencer Howard. And you cannot continue to operate like this when you're in a pennant race and expect to win a division. There's just no way that you can do it. And the Phillies desperately, desperately, need starting pitching help. It is their greatest need, and sure, could they use a guy like a Starling Marte or a Byron Buxton in center field? Yeah. I mean, it would be nice to solidify that position. Could they use back-end relief help? Could they use a Kimbrel, a guy like that who could come in and, and really anchor the back of that bullpen? Sure, of course. But none of those needs are anywhere close to the need that exists within the starting rotation. Because these are still the guys that are responsible for pitching the majority of your innings. They're still the ones that kind of keep you in games until you go out and you just see it with this team where if you continue to fall behind by such significant margins early... It's just too difficult. It's way too difficult to win ball games when you continue to put yourself in these kind of situations. So um, starting pitching, certainly the biggest need as far as I see it, and I'd like to get your take on it as well. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. And, you know, in regards to this starting pitching situation, I want to talk about the weird situation that went down on Tuesday because it seemed like the Phillies were on their way to acquiring a starting pitcher on Tuesday. As, you know, Tyler Anderson from the Pirates is a guy that apparently the Phillies were deep in conversations to acquire. Now, Tyler Anderson, to let you know if you don't really know who he is that well, and I'm assuming a lot of people don't, he's not a guy who would have come in here and been, you know, a significant difference maker. He has a 4.35 ERA. He's 5-8 on the season. Not not numbers that are going to blow you away by any means. But he's a serviceable pitcher who would be an upgrade over what the Phillies currently have. And he has pitched much better of late, since the middle of June, especially, and he would have been a nice low-cost trade option in which you still have your major pieces for other moves. Like, the guys that the Phillies were in talks to send were a couple, I think, low, I think a low-A catcher and a low-A pitcher, something like that. So, you would have had 
opportunities to keep a lot of your major trade chips and maybe pick up other pieces because we talked about it. This is a team that needs to make multiple moves, most likely. Um, You know, I'd love to get two starting pitchers, but this, in my mind, seemed like it would be a nice start. And I was driving to the park. It was right around 4.15 that this news was reported. That, you know, the Phillies were basically acquiring Tyler Anderson. It seemed like a done deal that this was going to be uh, the case. Now, around 6 o'clock, it's reported that there is a potential snag in negotiations. Now, typically when this happens... There's some sort of issue with one of the players involved. I don't know if it's medical or or something of that nature, but normally these deals still get done. You know, they they typically will still get uh, get accomplished when you get this deep in negotiations where people are are reporting that this trade has happened. Now, and, and I thought at this point. That it would. I thought that this trade would still get done. Um, I thought that it would still happen. And, you know, come around to 6.30 and time for the pregame show. And Dave Dombrowski supposed to be our guest in the booth. And I figured if there was something, you know, majorly wrong, we're probably not getting Dave Dombrowski on the show. Like, uh, that would seem to be something that would, would, you know, keep him pretty tied up here. However, Dave Dombrowski did come in. Um, he was able to be on the show at 6.30. He has two other GMs. Yeah, I get it, true. As these negotiations were taking place, um, and here was Dave Nebraska first on the show talking about what he is looking to to target and get at the All-Star or at the trade. When you look at the back of our rotation, uh, we can strengthen that. Uh, we get some good outings, but not some good outings. Uh, and so I think we can improve that. And our bullpen... Uh, when we've been at the back end lately, it's been pretty good. And so, again, when you have the number of people you do in your bullpen, you, with the depth there, you can always get better. And, yeah, of course they're looking to acquire starting pitching. And, and obviously, uh, the question that came was about the Tyler Anderson deal and the state of the deal. Because at this point, it seemed like it was going to go through, hit a minor snag. Here was Dave Nebrowski when asked about what he could say at this point about Tyler Anderson. No deals are done at this point. Um, We've moved in some positive directions with some conversations, but uh, we don't have any deals that are done at this time. So there you go. And the deal was not done. Um, And at this point, it it seemed like this was, you know, likely going to happen. Even after the game. (laughs) It's post-game press conference time. Bryce Harper is... Stepping to the podium. And, I, you know, the players probably know what's going on to a certain degree. Here was Bryce Harper when asked uh, what he knows about the Tyler Anderson situation. They've been working on this trade all day with Pittsburgh. You have, have you been watching that? Have you been keeping tabs on it? Do you have any idea where it is? No. I mean, I know they said that we acquired them. And, you know, I think uh should be here tomorrow, right? Something like that. Is it? Do you hear it's complete, or do you think it's been completed? Or it's going to happen. I haven't heard anything else. I mean, I just heard before the game what happened. Did it like acquire, you know, how it acquired. So I have no idea what. Uh, I'm. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry. Okay. Because I mean, it appears you, to be stalled. You, you can tell me because I have no idea. So. Well, it just appears to be stalled, not 
maybe not dead, but not trigger pulled yet. <laughs> Is that from our side or their side? Uh, they, it sounds like they have reservations. On one of the players. One of the players. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've I have no clue. Um, I haven't I haven't talked to Dombo or Sam about that, so um, I, mean, I, I have no idea. I'm sorry. I mean, there are a few things in there that are just funny. The fact that Bryce refers to Dave Dombrowski as Dombo is pretty the president. It's got to be a pretty close relationship there. I mean, Bryce has more power than Dave Dombrowski does, I think. I think Bryce has more power than anybody except John Middleton in that organization. You know, I don't know about that. Well, I, I, I feel like Bryce walks out of there and he just starts barking, get me Dombo right now. Why is this deal not done? Get Dombo down here right now. I want to talk to him. But, you know, it, it, it is pretty funny. Bryce being asked about the whole thing. He's like, well, is our, the problem on their side or is it on our side? Like he's talking like he's a front office executive. But at that point, nobody knows what the hell is going on. You know, it seems like this deal was done. And then all of a sudden, uh, whatever happened, it's not done. And the Tyler Anderson deal is still in peril. And at that point, we're thinking maybe the Mets jumped up and got him because they're looking at him and they're looking dad starting pitching. Then around 1130, it's reported by Jeff Passan that Tyler Anderson is being traded, but he is going to the Mariners. And I don't know what the Mariners are doing. They made some weird moves on Tuesday where they pick up Tyler Anderson, but they also traded a key piece of their bullpen to the Astros in which their team apparently was really not happy about that. Their players, uh, because they're one game out of a wild card spot and they're trading key pieces. And they acquired Abe Toro who homered for them against the Astros. So, I don't know. It, it, the trade, it, yeah, very weird Mariners. And they all came out and like the players were like trashing the GM. It's not something you see every day. Smashing equipment. Yeah. I mean, very odd. Uh, but Seattle ends up jumping in and they steal Tyler Anderson from the Phillies. And he's not going to be a Philly after all. And I don't know what happened here because it appeared that this deal was done. Apparently, they had uh, the Mariners or the uh, Pirates got. Uh, a little scared off cold feet by wanting one of the Phillies players medical diagnosis or something like that. But either way, it's embarrassing. Like it's embarrassing when you're at that point and you know, the media and your fans and even your players, like Bryce Harper said it after the game, even they think the deal is done and you don't get it done. Like that is a major, uh, major failure by this front office. And now you need to go searching elsewhere. And the starting pitching market is not a strong one at this deadline. I think it's a much better market for, you know, going out and acquiring bats and going out and acquiring pieces to your bullpen. But starters aren't that plentiful at this deadline, especially ones that are going to make a difference. Like, yeah, Max Scherzer could be traded. Max Scherzer's not getting traded here. Like, the Phillies don't have what it takes to give up for him. And... I'm sure the Nationals wouldn't trade him here anyway. I don't think Max Scherzer particularly would really want to come here anyway. Uh, he already nixed trades to the Yankees and Mets, basically said he's not going to New York. So I don't know where they're going to send Scherzer. Apparently he wants to go out west. Dodgers, no, he just, wants, he just wants to go to a playoff team. if Because, like, he wants to go to a team that, um, like the Rays are in there, the Astros. Mm-hmm. I, I, was, I was surprised by the Astros being on the list. I thought, like, 
anyone who competed against them would just never want to go there. Yeah, well, he beat them, so I guess maybe it's not that that big of a deal to him. Um, but the Phillies unable to get this thing done for Tyler Anderson, and you know everybody sees that this rotation needs to be improved. And here's Bryce Harper after the game, you know, and I think sometimes Bryce oversteps his bounds with some of the things that he says and criticizing other parts of the roster. Uh, but here was what Bryce had to say about the pitching. No, no, do you think the need for starting pitchers get a little more pronounced around here? I think you always use starters. Of course. I mean, starting and pitching wins games, um, pitching and defense. I've, I've always said it, um, you know, my whole career, pitching and defense wins. I mean, timely hitting, of course, but pitching and defense will always be king in this game. Um, if you have the guys that you need to go out there and throw you five, six-plus innings, it's always going to be good for you. Um, so, I mean, then you get into your bullpen and kind of lets them have their job of seventh, eighth, and ninth inning and kind of do whatever you want. So, um, yeah, I mean, we, we just we need to be better. We need to be better. They do. I mean, there, there's no doubt about it. And there I don't blame Bryce Harper. For coming out and saying it. Because we all know. We all know that this starting pitching is just not going to be able to win you this division. And time is running out. And this is just not a great sign. Like, in the end, is not getting Tyler Anderson going to be a big deal? I mean, it could be. If you're if you're not able to get anything else, it's going to be a, a, you know, a problem. Because this team needs it so bad. But it does kind of shake my confidence a little bit in their ability to get deals done and their kind of overall competence. Because, you know, when you are on the doorstep of making a trade like that and it falls apart, uh, that's really not a very good sign. I don't remember this happening very much where you're this close to getting it done and it doesn't end up getting done, and this team needs starting pitching, and they need it right now. So I want to know uh, about your your confidence in this front office as well after this Tyler Anderson deal falls apart on Tuesday. Disappointing. I mean, it looked like the Phillies were bringing a guy in that was going to be an upgrade and going to help them, and that situation fell apart very, very quickly on Tuesday. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Um, when we get back, we will get to some NFL-related topics um, as they have released a new memo uh, detailing their COVID protocols for this season, which are pretty strict and I think necessarily so. So we'll talk about that and also the latest on the Deshaun Watson situation. So that's coming up next. Open lines if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Wednesday morning. If you want to get in, 215-592-9494 is how you join the show. Um, talking about the Phillies, their desperate need for starting pitching. I feel like every night it's, it's I can't watch, I mean, part of it is from a viewer perspective. I can't watch the Matt Moore starts and the Vince starts and the Spencer Howard starts. I mean, we were talking the other night. I'm I've got issues on Thursday. I'm in six to ten, and I got a Vince game on Thursday. Now it's almost now it's guaranteed. It it was going to be Tyler Anderson. Now it's definitely going to be a Vince game. I don't. I could be down there all all night. I don't know if I'm going to make it back in time for my at show. At least with Vince, like 
once a month, you know he's gonna like he'll throw a quality start, and like you know you'll have a chance. Like Matt Moore and Spencer Howard, it's like you know by the fourth inning, there's at least five six runs on the board, or or they're just you know about to exit the game. Yeah, and I mean Matt Moore, like it wasn't all his fault this time. Yeah. Like Dee was terrible defensively, but he also had nothing. Like, and it was pretty clear when he's given up these these just and because those were no doubt about it homers by Bell and Soto. Um, and it's just, it's an issue. You can't continue to run these guys out there. Um, and you got to find a way to, uh, to improve. You got to find somebody to go out there and, and, and be able to start who you can somewhat rely on. And right now the Phillies do not have that. And the Tyler Anderson deal, which totally fell apart on, uh, Tuesday, I think it's a little concerning, this front office, when they obviously felt good about where that deal was. They felt good about where it was headed. And for it not to get done um, is is pretty concerning. And, and I think an indictment on the front office and their ability to close deals. 215-592-9494. If you want to get in, uh, let's go to John in Hazleton. What's up, John? CK, how you doing this morning? I'm good. How are you? This franchise, they're, they're just a disgrace. It, 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 you know, it's embarrassing. It, you know, it could only happen to the Phillies. The only thing that would have made it more funny, and thank God it didn't happen, is if he would have ended up with the Mets. You know, you, you look at the moves they made last, uh, you know, in the offseason. The only reason that bum Velasquez is still in the conversation is because the two losers they brought in to replace him were worse in Chase Anderson and Matt Moore. You know, they, this guy would have been huge for them. They have no chance to win on Thursday because I think Scherzer's going for Washington. So, you know, they have no shot to win that. Well, I actually think, John, I think the uh, the one bright spot is I don't think Scherzer will pitch. Because like, if there's any chance they're going to trade him, I think he's also dealing with some sort of issue physically. So I, I actually do not think they're going to throw Scherzer on Thursday. Well, well they, they, got, they got a break there. So may, maybe they'll because they needed to get three out of four here, in my opinion. You know, you got the Mets coming in this weekend. Like you said, you're going to have that, that, that innings eater Howard on watch Saturday against right. the Mets. Maybe like, you can mean, get three out of them. This is bad. And then D.D. Gregorius, what's he batting? 214 now? 11 errors? Is it up to 11 errors now? I mean, this is just bad. This is unbelievable. You're 100 games, they're 50 and 50. You know, it, they're only in the race still because, obviously, the division is a joke. You know, this trade was one more embarrassment. You've got, uh, you know, uh, Gabe still out in San Francisco winning ball games. another embarrassment. They ran him out of town, and it's just so frustrating. You know, I see online, and I know we talked about this before, everyone, the Phillies fans crying about Eagles' chance at Phillies games, and, well, guess what? It's going to start in another couple weeks. It's going to, you know, because, I mean, it's been 10 years of losing, man. Yeah, no, no, it's bad, John. It's, it's, It's frustrating, and I do think, like, there is hope for this team because of the division they're in. But they they desperately need starting pitching. You'd agree that's by far the biggest need right now. It's right? not even close. It's it's not even close. I mean, look, Bryce Harper said it, and here's the thing. Mark my words with this, okay? If they don't if they don't figure out a way to win this division this year, Harper's going to start. He's going to start whining because you know he's going to see like what's going on. This is year three of him, and he hasn't been great. He's been good this year. You know, and then you got his boy JT, who they, everybody just had to have. What's he doing? The fraud's only the best catcher in baseball. Like, it's just ridiculous. Everywhere you turn, man. Yeah, no, John. I, mean, I, 
I no, I get it, and, and I appreciate the call. JT's struggling right now. I don't know if JT's a fraud, though. What is he talking about? JT's been fine. No, I mean JT's struggled recently. Like he's, I think three for his last eighteen, something like that. But you know, overall, he's been he's been pretty good. The week before, he won them two games. Yeah, it, sure. He's come up small the last couple nights. I just think that's a little but, too small of a sample size to cite here. He belted one Friday night, right? I was at that game. He like he did. towering home run. But I mean, he did. He had a chance. That ball, man, he had an opportunity yeah, in the ninth. It. I mean, that was what was that? A hanging slider? That's what it looked like to me. Yeah, I mean, all, it's a classic Brad Hand slider. It's just less bite to him this year. And, and all ju- three of them had chances. Just in general, too. Like I don't know. I'm not. I'm not all that interested in a guy like Brad Hand. Why? He, he just doesn't doesn't look like he's got great stuff at this point to me. Like, yeah, this year he looks just, cooked. Right. I, like, maybe he's just going through a tough period, but... No, no, no. I saw him at, at Yankee Stadium in May, and he had nothing. Yeah. The last two nights, you can just see, like, these pitches don't have much bite on them, and the velocity's not great. Well, remember O'Dubel got him, too, like two months ago. Yeah. Look at this. Being down at the ballpark now, at the games, I'm becoming like a a pitcher. Does it seem like my my um, knowledge has improved a little bit, Mike? Does it seem like I'm... I am definitely... I'll, I'll say this. When I'm working those games, I am way more observ- observant than when I'm just watching them at home. Because, yeah, you can see the players. Right. And one thing I do to uh, really keep me into it, I keep score during those games. Nice. It's fun keeping score. Keeping score is nice. It keeps you into the, you know, you're, you're looking at the matchups. And I love I love when there's a pinch hitter or somebody comes out of the bullpen, cross that guy out. He's not available anymore. You don't have to cross him out. You can just write the next name under him. Yeah, but I do that. But then, you know, they give you. They have, oh, like, the available guys. They yeah, have yeah, the yeah. sheet of the available guys. I like crossing sure. it off. And I like when it's getting close to the end. And it's like, well, this team's not doesn't really have a lot of moves left to me. Nationals really threw a curveball after one or, you know, halfway through the first inning. With um, they did with the Josh time. Harrison going everywhere, and then Escobar. That and there was a lot of um, a lot of talk there. Reed texted a little bit about it during the game about Trey Turner coming out and what whether that could be a trade. And you, Mike, you you just now this isn't something the Phillies can really do because they need starting pitching worse than this, but. I, no, I no, no, no. You, you can still you definitely do this. Right. Well, you want the Phillies go after Trey Turner. I mean, I don't hate the idea. I I'll tell Trey you that. He's a, that guy, is, he just looks like a like a winning ball He's player. So fast. So fast. Plays shortstop and center field, so it gives you optionality there. Um, yeah, great player, great power, great hit tool. Five-tool player. Yeah. That, Winner. That, yeah, that, that's, a, that, that's interesting. And another... Um, and and that, that could be an option. And, and Mike, what was your theory... Because I, I forgot to get to this when we were talking about the Tyler Anderson thing. T.A. T.A., that's what Gabe called him yeah. when they he managed him in San Fran. That's right. right? Okay. That's um, I remember Tyler Anderson when he was with the Rockies. Wasn't he with the Rockies a few years ago? He was. He, he you know, drafted there, um, you know, spent his first five, six years there before hmm. uh, bouncing around. Now, what was that nugget that you had passed along to me about... Uh, subplot, yeah, subplot. As far as the front office uh, potential front front office discord between the Pirates and the Phillies, and you think the Pirates might have been uh, might have been sticking it to the Dave Dombrowski and the Phils a little bit. Well, I was careful not to editorialize. Oh, sorry, I just sorry. I just told you what I knew. Okay, and what what we all know is because you know baseball fans know Ben Charrington obviously is the Pirates general manager. He was the Red Sox general manager. Up until 2015, 
when you know they mutually parted ways, but basically was fired on the same day the Red Sox hired Dave Dombrowski. Mm-hmm. So, I I guess I'll, I, I won't I won't opine this. I'll ask as a question to you: Is it possible that Ben Sherrington waited six years to get his revenge on Dave Dombrowski with this TA deal? When you put it that way, no, I don't think I don't think his grand plan involved coming to an agreement about a fourth or fifth starter and then backing reneging. off at the last. Are game. you reneging? Yeah. I, I, I think it's a great theory. I think it's very interesting, and there are connection points there. And Jim Salisbury actually did mention this in his piece, too, that there was, he oh, said, really? a member of his front office, of the Phillies' front office, uh, was displeased with how the Pirates handled it. Maybe that was Dombrowski. I'm not sure. Huh. Maybe but, it was Bryce. Yeah, so who, who knows? 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. But that actually leads me because... Um, uh, John had brought up, and just him mentioning this brings me to a social media gripe here, and it's it's not a gripe in terms of you know the the typical social media gripes, but lately, and I guess kind of this week, I've been on the defense of the station and for the media of our right and why it's important that we talk about the Deshaun Watson thing because people have been ripping the station about that and ripping media for talking about it. Now, there was another thing that John had brought up. John just casually mentioned the running of Gabe Kapler out of town. Like, I don't think the media has really the power to run anybody out of town. Um, But I'd say maybe with Gabe, you'd have more of a point, even though Gabe didn't get run out of town because of the media. Gabe lost his job because the team didn't win. And if you don't win, your job's going to be in jeopardy. But... My social media gripe today had to do with something I saw on uh, our good buddy Ruben Frank's Twitter account, where he was, uh, I don't know, he's tweeting about something, and somebody had commented about uh, the, the Philadelphia media and how we ran Carson Wentz out of town. You know, he said something like, ta- he was just answering a question about when players would be available and this guy comments about, I can't wait for Carson to ball out in Indy so all of you beat writers look like fools for running him out of town. And Rube gets into a little back and forth, like, we didn't run him out of town. He played poorly, that's why he's not here anymore. And, you know, he didn't want to be here. The Eagles wanted to keep him. And, you know, that's why Carson Wentz is not here. And that's just something that bothered me a little bit, like, when are we going to stop with this idea that Carson Wentz was run out of town by the media in this city? Carson Wentz was not run out of town by anybody. Carson Wentz ran himself out of town by playing bad and acting like a baby and not getting along with his coaches and not getting along with his teammates. So a different, you know, not really a, a gripe as far as what people are doing on social media, but this take is one that I am just so tired of. And honestly, I'm tired of hearing Carson hearing about Carson Wentz, and I am interested to see him play this year because I think he's going to stink. But um, this idea that the media ran Carson Wentz out of town, uh, I think, is, is, is really stupid. Uh, 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. But I did want to get real quick to this memo the NFL sent out on 
Tuesday night. Because they sent all the teams an updated training camp and preseason kind of COVID protocol outline. And it talks about discipline for players, regardless of vaccination status. They got to wear a tracking device. You know, the stiffest punishments are for unvaccinated players who must wear masks at all times while they're in the weight room, at walkthroughs, practice, you know, including warm-up stretches, anything that that you can do without it hampering your ability to perform your athletic duties, you need to wear masks. It also mentions for unvaccinated players, bans on nightclubs, bars, sporting events, concerts, and they're all subject to like a $15,000 fine for a first offense. I mean, this is a pretty significant, you know, restriction that the NFL is placing on these players. And you know what? I'm all for it. And they need to. Because players, they, again, I've said it the whole time, you can have your choices. And you can make a choice not to get vaccinated if you don't want to. But there are going to be consequences. And that's the way this is going to continue to be. And while, you know, we're still having all of these problems and a lot of them, and this is not me editorializing, this is what doctors are saying. A lot of the issues and why we're having all these COVID spikes is because people are not getting vaccinated right now. Imposing these kind of restrictions and imposing these kind of penalties on players is the only way that you're going to get through them. Because some people just don't want to listen and they don't want to adhere to, you know, what is going to be best for the bottom line and to get these games played. And what I found most most interesting about it and most interesting about this whole situation is the NFLPA is not pushing back on any of this. Like these rules have all been mutually agreed upon with the NFL and the Players Association. So there are stiff penalties for unvaccinated players and even vaccinated players. Like you need to adhere to the protocols. But, um, you know, if you want to increase your vaccination rates, this is what leagues are going to have to do. And I think a lot of team, a lot of leagues are going to start following suit with the NFL and imposing more of the things that they've been imposing. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. I see Mike in South Philly's on the line. We'll talk to Mike when we get back. And we'll also give you an update on the Deshaun Watson situation and get into some Eagles training camp stuff with training camp officially getting underway today. So uh should be exciting. First practices later on this morning. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you on a Wednesday morning. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Talking about the Phillies a lot so far, their need for a starter, and the breakdown of this Tyler Anderson trade, which 
pretty embarrassing. It looked like the Phillies had acquired a starter, then they didn't acquire him, and now they're left with nothing. And they're left with Vince Velasquez running out there Thursday, Spence back out there on Saturday, and Matt Moore, as of now, scheduled to make another start. Uh, I guess that would be Sunday, so... Uh, Phillies need to address that somehow. Uh, I did forget to mention we have Dave Uram joining us for our weekly talk at 4 a.m. I've I've come to enjoy these uh, weekly visits with Dave, Mike. Yeah, I don't know how Dave can top himself from last time. He had that brilliant Bucks bake breakdown, if you remember. Yeah, I mean, it's a little scary how much you and Dave are agreeing on things these days. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, we did not, uh, wouldn't. When we first started working here together, that, that did not happen often. Yeah, and I'll have to get Dave and his thoughts on some of this Olympics stuff. Like, the Olympics, uh, I'm, I haven't gotten that into it so far. And part of it is, like, with the time change, I don't know what's live and what's not. Like, there's gymnastics on the screen behind me. Is this live? I don't know. Is I, this, I mean, when, when did this happen? You know, I gotta be honest, I have not been confronted with a point where I've needed to watch the Olympics yet. And Agreed. So I'm just... Not watching the Olympics yet. Agreed. I just, like, I don't, like, and I understand why they're not working around U.S. time. They shouldn't be. They should work on the time where Where they are. They are. Like, that's why I think people are generally annoying when they yell about, why are these damn games starting so late? Like, NBA Finals games starting at 9 o'clock. It's like, because you got to give people on the West Coast an opportunity to watch, too. Well, Peacock. Right. Yeah, we'll get to Mad Dog Russo and his rant later on on the Olympics. But um, yeah, just it's part of my frustration. You know I never I know when this is live. And honestly, if it's not live, I don't care to watch it. Like, I, if I know I can find out the result, I'll probably just look it up. You know who I bet is watching the Olympics? Who? Dave Uran. Probably. Bring us full circle. Yeah, so we'll... Uh, the we'll... first thought that comes into my mind is... I can't be a sex symbol. Oh, God. I'm engaged. I agree. I can't be a sex symbol. No, I'd get in trouble if I... I can't. We didn't do enough with that. Yeah, we'll we'll have to revisit that conversation today. Uh, 215-592-9494 if you want to get in on the Phillies. Um, They lose 6-4 to if you're just getting up, and their trade for Tyler Anderson fell through, so they're still looking to acquire a starter. We'll get to the Eagles coming up here. An update on the Deshaun Watson situation. Um, and the update is basically that, yeah, nothing, nothing's happening right now and he's not restricted in any way. Um, so we'll discuss that. And also, uh, I'll give you one thing that I'm excited for with training camp. We'll kind of do a different topic every night about, uh, something we're excited for to see from training camp and this Eagle season. So if you want to get on the birds, I am more than happy to talk Eagles. I cannot wait for the season to get underway. Uh, let's go to Mike in South Philly. What's up, Mike? How's it going, Tom? Good. How you doing? Yeah, I got a, a social media gripe, and it's related to sports. Okay. What do you got? Not everybody on social media has to have a take on something. And I think some people feel that they're compelled to. Maybe they're addicted to it. They feel like they just they either they crave the attention or they're so used to always having a take that they have to have a take for something. The amount of people who fake cared about the Simone Biles story was just a joke. Okay, how many people actually cared about what she did with her own personal freedom, with her own personal, whatever, personal mental health or whatever, whatever the heck uh, you, want, you want to call it? So many people are acting like they care. Oh, my God, I'm so outraged or I'm outraged that you're outraged. 
Nobody cares. And they're just pretending to care on social media because everybody has to have a take. I think some people care, but I do think there are a lot of people that just want to jump in on the conversation. I get where you're coming from. Like, there are a lot of people that just want to get in on the conversation somehow. Yeah, get so, on the soapbox. Right. No, I, 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 I understand uh, where you're coming from with that. Yeah, it's embarrassing. Uh, Phil's, I got some uh, Eagles predictions. Sure. Um, but Phil's, um, you know, it feels like... I. The only general manager I'm praising these days is Howie Roseman. Well, yeah. it took you it took you it, long it, enough, Mike. It, I told you you'd come around eventually. It's uh, weird how things change, isn't it? Um, uh, look, if Dave Dombrowski proves me wrong, fine. Here's here's my gut feeling. It's just based off of nothing, just a hunch. My I my hunch is that once the trade deadline comes and goes, the only moves he will have made is get a mediocre middle reliever and a low level starter, and I think the Mets are going to go out and make a big move. That's what I think is going to happen. It's just a gut feeling. I don't think he's going to do much at the deadline because it's what I've. It's just a feeling I've had all along. I don't think Dave Dombrowski ever wanted to get back into baseball. I think it's why he took so long to come here. Remember that he was the first guy they went to. Then they went to other candidates. Then they doubled back. I think John Middleton just wanted to hire a big name. He threw a bunch of money at Dave Dombrowski. He gave him the keys to the kingdom. And he said, "Here you go." It's just a feeling. I don't think he even really wants to be in baseball anymore. Well, Mike, that w- and I'll let you finish, but that yeah, wouldn't surprise me because that's what Middleton does. Because I think he did the same thing with Girardi. I think Girardi yeah. was the same situation where I don't think Girardi was dying to get back into managing, but you know, Middleton made him made him an offer that he couldn't turn down. Yeah, and it's that like that's dude, you're. You're a guy who's been around the league for a long time. He couldn't have figured out a way to close that deal. And, and I'm not even saying top, like Tyler Anderson's mediocre at best. He's not a big, you know, he's not, he wouldn't be a big addition. But just the fact that they lost out on a deal because they had questions about like a 30th ranked prospect's health and you couldn't figure out a way to, to keep the deal alive. Like for a guy who's been around for decades, like that's embarrassing, man. Like it's so, like th- when you're in a competent organization, you deserve things you know that are bad to happen to your organization and that it seems like bad things always happen to the Phillies because they're not run by any competent leadership at the moment they haven't been for a long time yeah no Mike and that's why you know I do look at it as a concerning sign like oh okay sure you look at it on its face it's like okay you didn't get Tyler Anderson what's Tyler Anderson he's kind of like a Joe Blanton level starting pitcher like that kind of tier of player which is helpful, but it's not like you can't find another guy like that. But like you said, the concerning thing is you have what should be a minor impediment to getting a trade done, and there's no way that you can remedy that and get that situation fixed so you still right. get the player. Like I think it was pretty embarrassing the way it all went down for them. Yeah, and in typical Phillies fashion, you know what's going to happen, right? He's going to have like a 1.2 ERA over <laughs> his next 10 starts. In Seattle, yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> so... Um, now, uh, so we'll see what they do. Yeah, but again, my gut is he's not going to do very much. And I think the Mets are going to make a really big move. Um, now, for the Eagles, I, I got a couple of predictions. I'm not going to do wins and losses until closer to the season, but just some random, like how I feel about players, how the seasons are going to have. I, I kind of mentioned last night a little bit. I, I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to have that great of a year, um, but I think they're going to stick with him all year, assuming they don't make a deal for another quarterback. But um, there's some other players. Um, I have a weird feeling that Travis Fulgham is going to lead the Eagles in receiving. I, I liked what I saw from him last year, and I don't think that stretch where he played well was a fluke. He didn't look like a fluke. Like, remember, there were stretches back when the Eagles had Jordan Matthews where he played well, but he never looked the part. He was always herky-jerky, and he didn't look smooth, and he had bad hands. But Fulgham looked 
He ran crisp routes. He looked fluid as an athlete. He found ways to get open. And I just think, much like the rest of the roster, you know, pretty much everybody on that team last year had a bad year. I think he was just a byproduct of the whole team falling apart. I think, you know, maybe when I say the real deal, he's not going to, you know, get 1,800 yards receiving. But I think he's going to end up being a good find for the Eagles. And I think he's going to lead the Eagles in receiving simply because, you know, while we all have high hopes for Devontae Smith, you know, it's not often that receivers come in and put up 1,300 yards in their first year. I think Volgum's going to have a good year. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, yeah, I think ahead. it's a good prediction, Mike. I I, I mean, Fulgham is one of those guys where uh, the the range of what he could be is so wide. Like I could see him, I could see him doing what you expect him to do, or I could see him being a guy who you know doesn't get a whole lot of playing time and doesn't stay on the roster the entire year. Because I do think, like, I don't know if you'd agree with this. It seemed to me last year, at least with the previous coaching staff that they weren't too pleased with the way he handled the success that he had. Yeah, I, I agree with You that, know, yeah. I think that, you know, just some of the things Doug kind of alluded to, he seemed to be kind of, you know, hinting at the fact that he wasn't great at practice and wasn't uh, doing all the things that he needed to do, and maybe that's why his snap count uh, decreased, along with, with the stupidness of playing Alshon uh, yeah. over him as well, but... Yeah, I think Fulgham's going to be a real X factor. And if this team is going to surprise and be better than we expect, I think he's going to have to be one of those guys who's going to need to overachieve. Yeah, a couple more. Uh, I think um, Derek Barnett is going to have his best year as an Eagle because it's a contract year. And kind of just to add on to that just a little bit, in typical Eagles fashion, um, you know, it's going to put him in a tough situation on whether they should keep him or let him go. And just knowing the luck of Philadelphia, if they let him go, he's going to be a five-time Pro Bowl or somewhere else. And then if they bring him back, he's going to be injury-plagued and he's never going to live up to the deal. Well, he better, Mike, because I've been I've been disappointed in Barnett. I thought he was going to be a better player than he was. I mean, he made a really big play in the championship game when he stripped Keenum. And that kind of was one of those plays to turn that game around. But, uh, yeah, he's been he's been overall... Um, disappointing, and he's got to he's got to be much better for this team, right? And then maybe you know a, a lot of you know people who cover the sport think that Jonathan Gannon's going to be like the next hot coordinator, so maybe he'll get he'll unlock something uh, from him. Uh, and then my third one is, I think that while Stephen Nelson is the, the the big name that they just signed for the defensive backfield. I think Anthony Harris is actually going to prove to be the better of the two signings for the, for the Eagles defensive backs. I think he's actually going to be pretty good for the Eagles um, at safety. They pretty much had a void at safety um, ever since Malcolm Jenkins left. And frankly, I don't, other than the Super Bowl year, I don't think Rodney McLeod has been that great. Um, obviously, he's had some injuries since then. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Anthony Harris is actually going to play pretty well. He, he had some pretty good, uh, pretty good years in Minnesota. And I think Nelson will be decent, but... I think Anthony Harris could be a guy where if he has a good year, they could sign him long term and kind of be like a staple of safety going forward. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Rodney McLeod's long for this team after this year. In fact, this might be his last year here. Yeah, and I mean Rodney McLeod's coming off a serious injury where he tore his ACL in the Saints game. So, I mean, I haven't heard anything that he's not going to be ready, but that would be a, a pretty quick recovery. So, yeah, I mean, I think Harris is going to be going to be a, a big. Um, you know, uh, going to be an important guy on that defense. And in general, I like some of the things they've done with guys like signings, like, like Harris, Wilson, Nelson, kind of low risk, high reward signings that isn't costing you much down the line. Yeah. I actually forgot 
up until a week ago that they signed Ryan Kerrigan. Yeah. Is, it, is it just me or does, this, does it feel like the year 2021 has gone by incredibly slow? Like, I think 2020 went by fast. Maybe it was because of COVID. Everything was going crazy. But it feels like this year has been, like, the, the equivalent of two normal years. And, like, I forgot about a bunch of the Eagles moves. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. They, they signed Ryan Kerrigan. And, you know, and there's, like, a couple other moves, too. I'm like, wait, I forgot they did that also. I don't know. It just seems like this year is going by really slow. Yeah, no, no. I agree with that, too, Mike. And I appreciate yeah, it, man. Thanks for the call. And, yeah, I, I, I don't know if maybe it's having a kid – kind of like war it does warp your sense of time like the whole last like 12 to 14 months for me feels like it's taken forever it felt felt like my wife was pregnant forever and then my son is going to be five months old next week i feel like he's he's got to be like a year old at this point um but uh yeah it does it does make time move slower and i think ever since the pandemic hit uh time has just moved in a weird uh, fashion that we're not accustomed to. But one thing Mike brought up there that I did want to mention real quick is he talks about the wide receivers and he talks about Fulgham. And I actually wanted to talk about the wide receivers tonight because, you know, I want to start doing more Eagles talk and did different things in regard to training camp. And I want to talk about the receiver position because I think it's one of the more exciting positions when you look at this team this year, and we've rarely been able to say that about the wide receiver spot, obviously got Devonte Smith. And I think Devonte Smith was a tremendous pick for this team, uh, where they got him, the way they got him to move down, move back up to 10, get in front of the giants, acquire that future first round pick. I'm really excited about Devonte Smith. And I'm, I, I, I see him as a player who is going to help everybody else. Like, not just Jalen Hurts, but he's going to help the other receivers. Like, you look at Jalen Rager from last year, and it was a disappointing season, but I don't come away from last year thinking Jalen Rager, you know, thinking there's no hope for him. Like, I still think he is a guy who has skills, has a legitimate skill set, and you put Devontae Smith on the other side, a guy who... I think is going to be reliable from the jump. I don't know if Devontae Smith will be like this huge dynamic playmaker right away, but he's going to be a reliable target. That's what he was at Alabama, and I have no reason to think he won't be that in the NFL. I think that'll take pressure off Rager. Like, I think back to Rager's season last year, and it was a difficult year. Like, he got hurt in the second game. When he came back, it was that Sunday night game against Dallas. That was when Wentz had really fallen apart. And was was just totally out of sorts. And it was hard for Jalen Rager to kind of reintegrate back into that offense with, you know, all the discord with Wentz and Peterson. And Peterson wasn't doing a good job. Wentz wasn't doing a good job. There were a lot of offensive issues. And I don't think it was an easy situation for him to return to. Earlier in the year, I actually thought he looked good in those, that first game. Like, he makes a big play against Washington and I, th- I come out of last year believing that, that there is more there than what we saw last season in Jalen Rager. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I hope so. I, I don't know what's going on with his when he came back though. His speed was just—it was very like not special. Like it was like he looked like a guy that like barely should be on, you know, on a wide receiver depth chart. Like he yeah. couldn't release off the line. Just he just wouldn't. I don't know how to say. He just wasn't fast. Like he couldn't run. Yeah, I agree with that. But I do think like. 
we do got to look at the fact the like the fact the offense was in total disarray at the time though. But like, wait, you know, like, just run straight, and he just couldn't. Right. No, and it was concerning, but I think he'll be in a better spot this year, hopefully. Um, and Mike mentions Fulgham, and Fulgham's really the X factor, and I have no clue what to expect. Like, Travis Fulgham could be this breakout star who leads the team in, in, in receiving yards or whatever. I could also see Travis Fulgham getting cut. Like, if he comes in and he has a terrible camp and, you know, the team doesn't like what they're seeing, I could see them getting rid of him. But you see what he did last year. As crazy as it is, for like a month, he was like the most productive receiver in football. Like, I don't understand how that happened. I don't understand why it stopped happening. I, I As I mentioned to Mike, I feel like when you listen back to Doug, I think Doug kind of alluded to him maybe not working hard enough at practice, maybe not doing those kind of things, uh, you know, at the highest level that he needs to. But Fulgham's going to be a, a major factor to watch here. As far as the other guys, you know, you got Greg Ward, who probably makes the team, um, but shouldn't be a top three receiver. I think we all recognize that at this point, that Greg Ward's fine to be on your roster, but shouldn't be a top three receiver, and he should not be returning punts. Like, he does not know how to uh, do that. He does not know when to field punts and when to let him go. So I don't want him in that role. Um, Then you got Quez Watkins, John Hightower, and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, and I think you got three guys fighting for two spots. I would tend to think Watkins and Hightower are the guys that get those spots, um, especially because this coaching regime is not necessarily tied to Ortega-Whiteside. Usually being a second-round pick will buy you two years, which he's had. Typically doesn't buy you a third unless you have a hell of a camp. So I think Ortega-Whiteside would need to have a great camp. Watkins and Hightower both showed potential last year. I probably like Watkins a little better than I like Hightower. I think he's got more burst. Had that nice like touchdown run on a screen pass in the Arizona game um, that I think uh, you know he's got that kind of athleticism. And the biggest thing for the receivers is Nick Sirianni. Like you bring in Nick Sirianni, that's a factor that I don't think we can overlook here. Where anybody that you talk to about Sirianni, it's that he knows the wide receiver position inside and out. And I don't know what kind of head coach he's going to be. I don't know what kind of offense he's going to implement, but he does seem to know wide receiver play, and he does seem to get the most out of the receivers he coaches. I mean, Keenan Allen loves him, and Keenan Allen said Nick Sirianni did a ton for him in his career, and I think that is a big factor as well as far as having a young receiver group that should be coachable. I think Nick Sirianni uh, can hopefully uh, do a good job in making all of all of those guys get better and be better receivers. I'm excited. Uh, 215-592-949. That scared me there. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Harold, Bill, we'll get both you guys right after the break. And we will talk about the really troubling situation with the Phillies that is developing at the shortstop position. Because Didi Gregorius is just completely imploding, and this is a massive problem. So we'll talk about that when we return. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly. 
with you on a Tuesday into a Wednesday, 215-592-9494. I got to say, and I'll get to Harold in a second here, one thing I do dislike about baseball games, and I wish um, we we could normalize this, as they would say, is can we normalize not doing the wave at baseball games like what about the reverse wave the whatever the wave the reverse wave yeah. it's just it's 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 i guess it's for, for it's kids childish. kids like doing it but like when adults w- but there weren't twenty thousand kids there tonight right, well you know what i hate and this is just like the 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 40-year-old guy or the 35-year-old guy that's a, like, all right, let's go. Let's start start the wave. We're starting it right here. Like that Butch guy. Butch R- Right. The, the, well, I don't want to – I don't know if Butch is – yeah, Butch seems like he would be – Yeah, we've seen But Butch is a very, very look at me. Butch does yeah. like to uh, – I think I saw Butch on TV the other night at a road series. Is that – maybe Yankee Stadium? Maybe. I don't know. if uh, Maybe maybe it's just a bad dream. Um, but <laughs> – uh, like the grown man who's trying emphatically to like rile up the crowd to do the wave is something that bothers me. And I just, I'm not a fan of the wave. Or if you want to get chime on on the wave, you're welcome to. Yeah. Or just, you know, the, the excessive let's go Phillies guy when it's, yeah, you know, it's a Tuesday in July. Like it's, you know, yeah. It's not that Did you ever see the movie? Um, I love you, man. Yeah. Uh, like that guy who he goes to the soccer, oh, the soccer game. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. soccer guy. He's like, let's go, Galaxy. <laughs> yeah. You know, like trying to get the crowd up and everybody's like throwing stuff at him and tell him to shut up. Uh, was like that, that the, guy. Is that um the Taste of a Trail guy? I don't know what a Taste of a Trail is. I don't know what you're talking he about. He kisses it because he, he thought they were on a date. I have no idea. You totally lost me. I don't know what okay. you're... What you're no, I do, I'm sorry. I just don't know. It's from the movie. I don't. I just, oh, there's nowhere else to go. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I think that's like one of the only things I. I don't remember like a lot of that movie. I've seen like six movies, so that's one of the ones I remember. Really, I was stunned to hear that you had actually seen it. Yeah, I saw it at a friend's um, house one time. Yeah, but yeah, that the over enthusiastic fan who's trying to start a chant amongst a dead crowd or starting to trying to start the wave is is an annoying guy. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. Instead of a social media gripe, that's just a social gripe. There you go. Exactly. Uh, in a minute, I do want to get to this Didi Gregorius situation with the Phillies because Didi is becoming a m- major problem. Like it was one thing just not hitting, uh, but he is having massive issues all over the field, and it is costing this team. And as bad as Matt Moore was, maybe all of this with Matt Moore on. Tuesday doesn't happen if Didi Gregorius uh, could actually make a play in the field. So we'll get to that a little more in a minute. First, let's go to Harold in Seattle. What's up, Harold? Hey, how you doing? Great, great show as always. The Thank wave you. started in Seattle. Did you know that? What the, the wave started in Seattle? Yes, is yes, that? I'm afraid so. That's a fact. That's a fact, Jack. Hmm. Okay. Well, what team did it start at? Mariners game. Uh, I think it was the Seahawks. Yeah, probably the Seahawks. But I wasn't living here here then. I was living in Dallas then. Okay. But it started in Seattle. And Interesting. Mike is a great caller. He should have his own radio show. Um, yeah. He made a point very good about the front office. Uh, he's so right on. I mean, I mean, I'm saying this not to be facetious. I don't know what facetious means, but I know it fit in. I, I, I would rather have the Three Stooges and P.B. Herman as my GM running the team. 
That was the right use of facetious, Harold. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I I don't know if I go that far, but that's certainly how the Phillies front office looks after botching that Tyler Anderson trade. And bringing in someone, it's a waste of time. They should be thinking about next year because half the team is not masked, and the uh, and the problem with not being masked about. Six weeks ago, they said that you could take your mask off. I cried when they say that. Why would they do something like that when people, when half the country wasn't vaccinated? The people running this country don't know what they're doing. They're trying to please people. They can't face reality. Well, what do you think about that? Uh, yeah, I mean, Harold, uh, there's there's a lot of, of crazy stuff going on. I appreciate the call, um, but... Yeah, I mean, the vaccination issue is going to be something the Phillies are going to have to deal with. I believe that's what Harold was getting at there. And, you know, they're going to have to continue to contend with it. I mean, there's really nothing else you can say at this point. Like, it's pretty clear, like, the Phillies players that haven't got the vaccine aren't going to get it. So they're just going to have to keep putting guys on the COVID IL and taking guys off. And if it costs them a playoff spot, that's what's going to happen. They don't really seem that incentivized to get the vaccine. Uh, and, yeah, it's it's frustrating um, uh, from a fan perspective when you want the team to make the playoffs. But it's something that, that the Phillies are uh, going to have to continue to deal with um, because they're pretty clearly at this point not going to reach that 85% milestone that they need to. 215-592-9494. But talking about the Phillies so far – Matt Moore gives up six runs in the first two innings of this game, and the starting rotation is a massive problem. I mean, it, it's it's unavoidable at this point, and we talked so much about the bullpen, so much about center field, but as we approach the trade deadline, the rotation is the biggest issue. And three out of every five days, when you are throwing out Spencer Howard, who can't give you more than three innings, Vince, who, you know, you flip a coin, it's usually going to come up, going to come up bad. You know, Vince is usually going to screw you uh, rather than give you a good start. And Matt Moore, who some nights he just has nothing, you're not going to make the playoffs that way. And the starting rotation is something the Phillies desperately need to improve. They tried to on Tuesday. It looked like they did. But this deal for Tyler Anderson, the lefty from the Pirates, ends up falling through. You know, I do think it's a pretty big indictment on the Phillies front office that they couldn't replace the prospect or add some sort of incentive and not get this deal done for a player they thought they had. You know, that worries me as far as their deal-making acumen here moving forward as you look to the deadline and you you look to acquire players who can help you. And um, the starting rotation continues to be just a a massive problem for this team and one that they need to correct. They need to find a way to get a starting pitcher in here who can help them and take the spot of one of those guys who is just not, not adequate. I mean, Spencer Howard, Matt Moore, Vince Velasquez, you can live with one of those three guys going out there every five days. You can't live with two and you certainly can't live with three. And that's a massive problem. But, As far as what happened to Matt Moore on Tuesday night, in complete fairness, it all can't be totally put on him. Because 
there was some awful defense in this game behind him from one person in particular, and that was Didi Gregorius. And this has been a massive concern this year in terms of Didi and his defense, which, you know, you knew last year he wasn't a good defensive shortstop. He wasn't this much of a train wreck. I mean, every time the ball gets hit to him at this point, you're just holding your breath. In first inning, Trey Turner hits a ground ball, and Trey Turner can run, and he can bust it down the line. But D.D. could have made a play on it, instead bobbles the ball, and with a runner like that, you bobble just a little bit, you're not getting Trey Turner. That leads to Soto getting on, then Josh Bell hits a three-run homer. Now, I don't know, maybe you know these things would have transpired anyway, but Potentially, you get out of the inning because Turner's on. Soto hits a ball between first and second. It's where Reese Hoskins would have been playing if he didn't need to hold a guy on first base. So that could have cost you three runs right there. Second inning. Robles is at the plate. He hits a pop-up into foul ground. Here's how it sounded on WIP as DD botches this one. Left field side, Didi going out into foul ground. He might have a play, and he missed it. Not sure what happened. He was coming up against where the tarp is rolled up and against the stands, but uh, still had a few feet to go. Looked like he just whiffed on it. And he did. I mean, he just missed the ball. Like, it was pretty clear. It was a tough play. Like, he had to run a, a significant distance, but it wasn't like he was straining. It wasn't like he was stretching to get there. He got to the spot. He just totally missed the ball. And it's a problem that has continued to haunt him and haunted this team. Here is Larry Anderson, uh, who was on fire Tuesday night, by the way. Um, here was L.A. on D.D. and his defense continually costing this team. Obviously, Matt Moore hasn't been great today. But if D.D. doesn't make the error in the first inning on Turner's ball that they called a hit, that's an error, period, end of story. And if he catches the ball that Robles hit down the left field line in the second inning. 2-2 two, two fouled off. He's probably got a 1-2-3 inning. That ball is a pop-up. He went a long ways to go. He got there. He wasn't running. He missed it. He hit the side of his glove. He missed it. If that error is caught, which neither of them were called an error. Well, the bigger issue, though, is that the ball, the plays weren't made. Right. Not whether it was scored. Not how it was scored. Right. The biggest issue is the plays weren't made. Um, you know, behind a pitcher who could use the help. Well, no, you're right. I, I, error foul. or not, but the play's got to be made. Yeah. I just, for me, I just, it baffles me how somebody can look at that ball and go, oh, well, Larry Boyd wouldn't have made that play. Yes, he would have. Dansby Swanson would have made it. Brandon Crawford would have made it. Just about every single shortstop in baseball would have made that play. And I'm not, I'm not trying to hammer Gregorius, but it's, I just, he has not had a good year defensively. He's, he's not. Plain and simple. And it's really become a problem for this team because even before, if DD was costing you in the field, you could at least justify it with, well, he's a big bat in your lineup and he's going to give you production in the lineup. He's not doing that either. I mean, he had how many opportunities on Tuesday night? I felt like every time he came up, he was coming up with guys on base with less than two outs or with two outs and runners in scoring position. 
and was not able to get big hits. And he has become really the biggest liability on this team from an offensive, from a position player standpoint. What's a bigger liability? He's a bigger liability than whoever they have out in center field at this point. I know. I mean, it's, it's between here and Boehm. It's That's what it is. And I like think, center field's not like a, a Dubal's tremendous in center field. Yeah, I mean, but but I'm I'm for all the talk we had about center field in April, like none of us foresaw this coming with Didi Gregorius, but it's uh, a disaster. No, right I now. brought we brought it up. I thought you, you well you you've I'll give you credit for this, Mike. You've been on the Didi thing for a while, and Thank you. you know from when he's come back from that injury, he just hasn't been the same. And here was Joe Girardi after the game on that play on that pop up on Didi needing to make that play. Yeah, that's a play he's usually going to make, and he didn't. It's a long run. You know, you start to get near the fence, you know, um, but it's a play that he's capable of making. And here's more from Girardi on on them needing Didi to, to figure this thing out. It just seems like he's find, having a hard time finding a rhythm on both sides of the ball. And he went through that the first couple weeks of the season and then found it and was really good. We need him to find it. And you're in a situation now, and this is kind of the problem that the Phillies find themselves in and Joe Girardi finds himself in, that you kind of see what he's been doing with the lineup, where you almost can't have Didi and Alec Bohm in the game at the same time because you're, that side of the infield defensively is is a complete disaster. And if they're not giving you anything at the plate... I mean, it, it, you you just can't live with it. So you got to play Torres every day between third and shortstop. You just have yeah, to. Yeah, I mean, in, unless Wheeler's pitching, um, just because you know strikeouts, but, right? You know, and the other thing is like, why is the third best shortstop uh, on in the infield playing shortstop? It's a great point. Like, like who's who's a better shortstop? Here, Ronnie, Torres, Segura. They're yeah, both better. So you go like individually one to one. Like he's. Like, he should be either third or second base. Right. I think it's at this point they just don't want to move him to a different position, which, theoretically, he should be able to... If he can play shortstop, he should be able to play second base. Like He's played should, different positions before. Right. right. And especially, well, I don't know why you can't just flip-flop Didi Gregorius and, and Segura, but it's really becoming a problem. And this is a situation where I feel like this goes back to the 60-game season last year. And I think the 60-game season really deceived the Phillies in terms of what they thought they had in Didi Gregorius. Because Didi had a pretty good year last year. Like, in, in a shortened year, I thought he was pretty productive. Like, he was a legitimate bat in the middle of that order. He hit a lot of home runs for them, drove in a decent amount of runs. He wasn't a total disaster in the field. So... You know, you think, okay, we can bring him back. But last year was the right approach with Didi. Is he signed him to a one-year deal? You see what he gives you. If he do, if he's bad, you have no future commitments. And if he's good, fine, you bring him back for another year. But the Phillies were deceived by what he did in a shortened season where I think it's obvious at this point that a 60-game sample size in baseball is just not large enough to, to let you know anything real and significant. Instead, they sign him to a two-year deal. He's maybe the worst player in your starting lineup right now. And you're committed to him for $14 million next year. That's $14 million this team could have used in a lot of other meaningful ways. I mean, it's really not good. Yeah, I mean, this is a this is 
it's more than like this is a failure on like multiple dimensions. Like this goes back to Kingery too. Like Scott Kingery's failures is part of why Didi Gregorius is here and why he did overpay him to stay a second and third year. Um, it's a misevaluation of Cesar Hernandez. He won a Gold Glove last year. He has 17 home runs right now for Cleveland. He may be traded, by the way. Um, and well, they, they, well, they can bring Cesar back. Why yeah. Not? I mean, because either way, I mean, even if Kingery or Cesar wouldn't play short, then, you know, Segura would play short and, you know, would go that way. But, like, they've they failed in, like, three, four different ways of this whole shortstop thing. And, I mean, now they, I guess, it's got to hope they buy time until Stott's ready and hope you got the Stott pick right. Yeah, I mean, that that's your only hope at this point. But uh, the Didi Gregorius thing is is a massive problem for the Phillies. And uh, if if he doesn't at least, like, I, I've kind of come to terms with the fact that he's just going to kill you defensively. And you shouldn't have to come to terms with that. But it's just the nature of the situation. He's got to give you something at the plate. And if he doesn't give you something at the plate, he can't be in your lineup. And if that means playing Torres every day, um, then you got to do that, and but then you got the same problem with Bohm. So I really don't know what you do. Yeah, I, I actually think I'd rather have Bohm and then than Gregorius at this point. Yeah, I mean maybe some days you play Therese and Brad Miller uh, on that side of the infield. Oh, which is, man, he's tar- he may be worse than both uh, of them. I mean, it's a, it's just not a good defensive <laughs> infield, and and I think that's pretty clear. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four two one five five nine two nine four nine four if you want to get in. When we get back, um, I did want to do a a little uh, Olympic talk, and I needed to ask the audience a hygiene question because I saw um, an interview done with one of the power couples in Hollywood in which they disclosed some some, uh, information in which some people I think would find um, a little unsanitary, which I want to uh, share and ask the audience about their bathing habits, which, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm sure um, not a lot of people like to disclose, but this is some interesting, uh, an interesting take uh, that I want to run by you. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. Uh, You heard that return. We do have another L.A. rant coming up later in the show. He goes after Bill Welke, longtime Major League Baseball umpire. By the way, and I love um, pointing out good umpire names. Bill Welke, a very strong umpiring name from the Welke family of umpires. Yeah, do you remember his older brother's name? Uh, It's Tim, is it not? Tim Welke, yeah. Tim Welke. They were uh, on the same crew together. They were uh they worked first and third, Bill and Tim respectively. Uh, Doc Holliday's perfect game. Okay, a little uh, trivia, a little he, wokey. As far as I've noticed, of this umpiring crew for this series, he's the only quality name. Like the rest of the guys aren't aren't. They're at least not guys I've recognized. But the last series, tremendous. You had Angel Hernandez. You had Hunter Wendelstadt. It was it was a who's who of of notable umpires. Oh, uh, did you work Sunday's game? No, I did not. That was the one game recently I have not worked. I was at Sunday's game, and the one I do remember thinking, like, boy, Lance Barksdale sure has a getaway Sunday strike zone going here. Lance Barksdale, veteran move by him. Keep that game moving. I mean, is he? 
does he have the best umpire name in the business? Like, I feel if you were born and your parents name you Lance Barksdale, you're going to be a major league umpire. Like, instead of dressing you up in onesies, they should dress you up in well, little umpire onesies. You know, like, a, th- th- that guy is, was born to be an umpire. If you're named Hunter Wendelstadt. I was go- no, I was going to say, my answer is going to be Harry Wendelstadt. I think Hunter's better. Yeah, I think it's true. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I I do like Bill Welke, though. Just a good umpire name. Tim Timmons. There you go. Tim Timmons is great. 215-592-9494. Let's go to Greg in the Northeast. What's up, Greg? Hey, what's up? How you doing, Tom? Good. How are you? Uh, you know what? I want to switch to a little uh, course that we're in. I want to go with Jalen Hurts, man. Let me tell you something about this guy. This guy's a winner. He's going to win, win, win. You know when we had Donovan McNabb back in the day? And everybody didn't like him, but guess what he did? He, he took us to five NFC Championship games, one Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Oh, I mean, no Greg, wanted... Greg, you're talking to the leader of the Donovan McNabb fan club here, so I agree with you on that. I, okay. I'm a big Donovan And guy. I think Jalen Hurts is uh, probably even better. Well, I mean, I, I don't know what we've seen to lead you to believe that. I mean, he's only played four games, not a lot to go off of. I liked what I saw last year, but he's going to have to prove it this season. And there's a lot of unknowns. Like if the Eagles, if the Eagles could go and upgrade and get a guy like Deshaun Watson, I think that's something they'd have to look at because I, yeah. I'm not, I'm not totally sold on Hurts. Yeah, I'm neither. I'm not totally sold. But you know what, uh, Tom? Uh, the bottom line is, guess what Jalen did? He actually won uh, college collegiate championship games. He did win. He did, and I appreciate. Yeah, thanks, Greg. I appreciate the call. He did, and. He went head-to-head with Deshaun Watson. He lost that game, but still. Um, he had a very accomplished uh, career in college, and, and you know, that's um, important. But the NFL is a different game, and there are a lot of quarterbacks that won in college don't win in the NFL. And I like Jalen Hurts. I think he's got potential. I'm excited to see what he can do in year two. But I'll continue to say, it. like, if you have the ability to go get a Deshaun Watson – I think that's a risk worth taking. I do. And uh, the latest report on Tuesday is basically the NFL says, uh, and this was from Tom Palisar of NFL Network, they're working with the Houston Police Department. They're, you know, going along. They're doing their own investigation. Um, and they'll make appropriate decisions with the uh, consistent with the CBA and the personal conduct policy as they need to. But at this point, There are no restrictions on Deshaun Watson and his participation with the Texans, and I would assume that means whether teams could trade for him. So if that is the situation, then the Eagles got to seriously look at doing it. And as I said last night, if you morally don't want him, that's fine and that's your right, Um, and I understand your perspective, but from a football standpoint, I understand why the Eagles would want to get a player of this talent level who they'd be buying on at kind of a low point value-wise. So what do you think happens if uh, come like a week from Thursday and he's not traded yet? Does he show up for like their first preseason game? I'd imagine so. I I, I don't think he'd play in a preseason game. I mean, maybe Yeah, I mean, I guess he wouldn't anyway. Right. I mean, but like we were talking about last night, he can't be a practice watching Tyrod Taylor take first-team reps. Like, I'd assume he'd be taking reps. Um, but... We'll see. It's going to be interesting to follow here. Uh, 215-592-9494.
But I did want to touch on this this story that I saw. Uh, we have Dave Uran from KYW News Radio coming up in the next segment here. But um, now there are a lot of power couples, I guess, in uh, Hollywood. I, I saw that Jennifer Lopez recently. She's she dumped a Rod, and now she's back with Ben Affleck. Uh, so she she has gone back to Ben Affleck, who I believe she was dating like twenty years ago or something. Oh, okay. I was um, surprised you said back. Yeah, yeah, no, though they, oh yeah, they were hot and heavy. Oh, in the past. yeah, oh god, yeah. hot and heavy. God. I'm big on the Hollywood dating scene, but from 20 years ago, yeah, I would say one of the outliers as far as Hollywood couples go are Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis because a lot of these couples, you know, they're together for a little bit and they break up and they're always bouncing around from different star to different star. Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis. I believe they fell in love back on that 70s show. Were you that 70s show? Yeah, guy? yeah. We watched it all the time. Oh, yeah. that was a great show. Yeah. I enjoyed that show when I was in high school. Um, and, you know, they played love interests on that show, and apparently they really hit it off and dated, got married, and they've been together for, like, over 20 years now. What? No, no. He was married to somebody else. Is that is that right? Yeah, because I, oh. I thought you were, like, starting ironically with, like, this, because I was, I was going to... Because even I know that. Because ah. when you're saying that, you know, Ashton Kutcher, you know, odd that, you know, they, I was like, what is he talking about? Well, they're they're better now. They're they're together now, and they've been together for a while now. They have two kids, uh, six and four, so they've been together for a while. But they revealed something. He was married on... for eight years to. Oh wow. Uh, is it Demi or Demi Moore? Oh, that's right. You know what? You're right. He was with her. I forgot. Well, about I'm, that. I'm reading Wikipedia. There you so go. I hope I'm right. No, he was with Demi Moore. I forgot about that. But. They were on a podcast recently, and they revealed something that, that I found to be disturbing. And I want to know if I'm in the right here. Is, you know, they basically say they don't bathe their kids. Ashton Kutcher said, there's no point in us bathing our kids unless we see dirt on them. Um, Mila Kunis said she never bathed her children when they were newborns. And they themselves do not shower regularly. They only, Ashton Kutcher said he only washes his armpits and what he calls his quote unquote vitals daily. And Mila Kunis washes her face twice a day. It begs the question. I mean, how often do you, do you bathe? And I'll throw this out for the audience out there because I found that to be disturbing. I got it. I got a shower every day. I mean, like they're talking about like a four year old. Like what are they talking about? Well, they're no, they're talking about themselves. They're oh, about, I thought they, they said their kids. Well, they said they never really bathe their kids unless they see dirt oh, okay. on them. But Ashton Kutcher says he so he only does his vitals and, and his armpits. And Mila Kunis and washes her face. her face. But it's like I don't know. I find that a little disturbing. That can't be true. How often do you bathe, Mike? Almost daily. Okay. Like I was almost. Like, like yeah, I'd say. Like, cause sometimes there's like a Friday where I just sleep all day. I'll just shower Saturday morning. Okay. Like, you know what I mean? So I was, I was six to seven, eight yeah. days a week. All right. Well, I, 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 I am an everyday showerer and I guess my days kind of are mixed up. Like because mm-hmm. of when I sleep doing these shifts, it kind of messes up your days, but within a 24 at 20 to 24 hour period, I need a good shower. So I want to know, you know, how often do you bathe? And what Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis are saying, that they were very infrequent uh, bathers. Is that disgusting? I think it is. I I, I find that a little uh, distasteful. I, I just, I'm not buying it because they wouldn't, 
They wouldn't well, be these acting veterans. Mila Kunis like, said, showed up like that. I, I when she was a kid, she didn't really have hot water, so she didn't really bathe. So she doesn't, you know, see see the need. But uh, I certainly do. So if you want to share your bathing habits, you're welcome to. If they, I'm interested like, to see where people come in come in on this. Like if you like go for a run, like you have to. I, I absolutely. I mean that 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 I think I would think goes without saying. Um, but even Kutcher said after he works out, you know, he, he's only doing the vitals and the armpits, which is. Disturbing. 215-592-9494. Coming up next, we have Dave Uram, KYW News Radio, stopping in for a few minutes. We'll talk to Dave, get his thoughts on everything going on. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Forgot Dave had an intro song here. Uh, Dave Uram, KYW News Radio. Uh, with your intro song, Dave, did you hear, you heard the clip we played earlier? I, th- I did hear that coming in. Yeah. Uh, I'm a soundbite. So there's a couple of things here. Uh, one, one thing I want to clear up and a couple of things I got to say about that soundbite, Tom. So- sorry to steal your thoughts. Well, should we replay there. the soundbite for anybody that didn't, didn't hear earlier about your, your being a sex symbol? Sure. And I thought that would mess up your, your relationship. Here was, here was Dave last week on his, uh, greatest concerns about being looked at as a sex symbol. There you go, Dave. All right, so there's a, cu- there's a couple of things here. One is something that I want to clear up. Uh, so I, I, I don't know if misunderstood is the right word, but I, I guess I misinterpreted Al when I saw him in the hallway about a week and a half ago, and he brought up this conversation about what he thinks I am. Um, I thought he said sex symbol, but I found out shortly after I came on last week, a couple of hours after I came on, that it was actually heartthrob. I don't know why I thought sex symbol, but it was heartthrob. So Al, Al believes that I'm a heartthrob. And I guess there's not really any difference between heartthrob and sex symbol. No. There's some similarities there, but it was heartthrob. The second thing to that is my concern with being considered a heartthrob, sex symbol, whatever you want to say, um, was that Sonia would, would be upset uh, because I'm engaged and happily engaged and we're going to get married next year. It turns out, she loves the fact oh, wow. that I'm go. considered a heartthrob. And she could, she talked about it multiple times over the past week in fun fashion. And I think even told my... Fun fashion? Yeah, and, wow. and, even, and, and even told my grandmother when we visited my grandmother over the weekend. So Sonia is loving... The heartthrob, uh, the heartthrob comparison. There, it's all love in the end. There you go, Dave. We, 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 How many sound bites of me? Do you we have? did you a favor. Now, now your fiance finds you even more attractive. <laughs> I mean, this is this is good stuff. Like now, she she knows she's got some competition if the no, ladies start no, start swarming. There's no competition. Let's make that abundantly clear. Zero competition. Okay. I well, gave you a third soundbite there. Well, now, now that we've got that out of the way, uh, let's talk some some baseball, Dave. As the Phillies uh, lose on Tuesday night, six to four, starting rotation issues again. Matt Moore only gets through four innings. Uh, your thoughts as they head toward the deadline, and how big of a need is a starting pitcher for this team? Yesterday was an unfortunate day for the Phillies because they it appeared that they added a starting pitcher, and one that's not great. Tyler Anderson's not Cliff Lee, but he's an upgrade from Matt Moore and Vince Velasquez and Chase Anderson and Spencer Howard, who should be in the bullpen. By the- He's an upgrade. 
He's an upgrade from those players. So it, it would have been a good move yesterday. But for then, for it to fall apart only as, as it was going on or only hours after Matt Moore had a bad outing, two, three run home runs, for it to happen in that succession like that, not a good day for the Phils yesterday. And I'm curious, like, I, how could, if one player, the prospect who had the, the, the medical problem that Pittsburgh noticed, they couldn't find another pitcher in the Phillies farm system to, to, to take? That, that's what I don't get, is we see these issues happen where there's disagreement or something pops up on a player's medical, and usually the deal still gets done. Like, they work it out somehow. Yeah. A different player goes. But what does that say about the Phillies farm system? There's nobody else the Pirates would have wanted? Well, it's, I, I read Jim Salisbury and I read Scout Lobber on NBC Sports Philadelphia and The Inquirer, and both of them seem to indicate, not necessarily report, a mixture of speculation and indicating that Ben Charrington, who is the GM of the Pittsburgh Pirates, who was previously with the Boston Red Sox. It's Mike's theory. And, and was there before Dave Dombrowski. I think Dombrowski either replaced him or whatever. They, they, they were one and two. He did replace him. He did replace him. There was that kind of speculation indication that that may have had something. I mean, I, I don't know if, if Ben Charrington pulled a fast one on Dave Dombrowski, regardless of what it is. Not a good day for the Phils. And also, on top of that, to top everything off in the end, Bryce Harper goes to his Zoom press conference and, and acts like Tyler Anderson's coming to the Phillies tomorrow, today, today. He says, to, he, says he thinks he's going to be here tomorrow, which in this, in this case now is today. And that's another, I, like, that's, it's, it's unfortunate that Bryce was in that position where he, he had to be told by the media that, uh, it seems like it, it, it hit his snag and it's, it's in the air right now. Well, we'll actually play that right now. Here was Bryce Harper at his post, uh, post-game press conference uh, thinking Tyler Anderson, Tyler Anderson was about to be a Philly. They've been working on this trade all day with Pittsburgh. You have, have you been watching that? Have you been keeping tabs on it? Do you have any idea where it is? No. I mean, I know they said that we acquired them and, you know, I think uh, should be here tomorrow, right? Something like that. Is it? Do you hear it's complete, or do you think it's been completed? Or it's going to happen. I haven't heard anything else. I mean, I just heard before the game what happened to like acquire, you know, how it acquired. So I have no idea what. Uh, I'm, okay. I'm sorry. Okay. Because it you, appears to be stalled. You, you can tell me because I have no idea. So. Well, it just appears to be stalled. Not maybe not dead, but not trigger pulled yet. <laughs> Is that from our side or their side? Uh, they, it sounds like they have reservations. On one of the players, one of the players. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I have no clue. Um, I haven't, I haven't talked to Dombo or Sam about that. So, um, I, mean, I, I have no idea. I'm sorry. Bryce has spoken like a real GM there. I mean, is banner it, day for the Phils? Uh, Ban, uh, banner day. Uh, yeah. Start uh, to finish. Great communication, but very embarrassing. And you look at the starting rotation, Dave. It's just in a terrible position when you're throwing out Matt Moore and Vinny Velasquez and and Spencer Howard three out of five days. Can this team make a run if they continue to have even two of these guys in the rotation long term? They need another starting pitcher. There's no ifs, ands, ors, or buts about it. Who knows how much longer Eflin's going to be out. Right, They were hoping it was going to be short term. Now he's missing at least three starts. Who, who knows? Matt Moore can't get it done. Vince Velasquez has been really bad lately. 
I don't think you can put any confidence in Chase Anderson, who, who you know, pitched well last night, but he just came off of the COVID IL and his long rehab uh, appearance that he had down there in the minor leagues. And Spencer Howard should be a reliever. Like, I don't, I just, I don't understand why the Phillies won't make him a reliever. Like, I, I, I get the fact that I, I think from what I'm reading or, or, or hearing, it seems like that it, it would be a tough move for him to go to the ball and they want to focus on him being a starter. But every time that Spencer Howard pitches, he's awesome through the first inning, two innings, three innings, first time through the order. And then for whatever reason, this time it was a callus over a blister, another time, it was you know, velocity dip, and there's been so many different reasons why when he gets past the first time through the order, the numbers dip, which is why he would be stellar in the seventh, eighth inning, maybe a high leverage situation if he ever gets used to that type of thing where he can just come out of the bullpen and just throw 97. I just, I, I don't, I think they're really mismanaging him. They were mismanaging him at the start because they weren't letting him go a certain amount because they wanted to keep him to a pitch in an inning, an inning limit. And then now they're letting him do that, but it's obvious that he he's right now a reliever. So, and they need they need they need they need relievers, right? They need relievers because I think all all you can depend on right now is Suarez, Alvarado, maybe if he has command, Bradley, uh, and and Hector. I think I, I I have confidence in Hector, but then you need somebody else. Maybe Brogdon. Brogdon. A bit. Maybe Brogdon. But then you definitely need a starter because the, Pat, I mean, the Phillies had to come back again in this game, and they weren't able to pull off what they pulled off the other night with McCutcheon. Uh, and and you just there's so the, the the margin for error with this team is so small. Didi makes a couple of bad plays in the field, and then it leads to a couple of you know a couple of three run home runs that Matt Moore gave up. Uh, you know the team's one for ten with runners in scoring position. But they have to fight their way back from being down six to one. This team is so much better than fifty and fifty. I think that's the most frustrating part about the Phillies is that they're a better team than fifty and fifty. I know that they have been consistently inconsistent throughout the season, which is why they're five hundred. I get it, but I look at their roster. I, I look at the the rest of the National League East. You look at their schedule in the second half. You look at the way that they play at home for the most part. It's just fifty and fifty is underachieving. I like some people may think that this team's just not that good. Okay, but f- that they're better than 50 and 50. And if they were better than 50 and 50, they'd be in first place and maybe in a better position to maybe go after a Craig Kimbrell or somebody who has a little bit more of an impact than a Tyler Anderson. Yeah, and I want to get your thoughts on some Eagles things in a minute, Mike, but or Dave, sorry, but you brought it up first in regards to Matt Moore and the DD situation at shortstop. How big of an issue is this moving forward because we know he's not good defensively, but lately he's been a disaster, and he's not even giving you production at the plate right now. I'm I'm so confused by the way Didi Gregorius is playing defense this season because he historically has not been a bad shortstop. He's been a really good shortstop this year. He just he hasn't been, and and maybe it's affecting his play at the plate. Maybe it's not. I I don't know. Um, I forget if it was brought up to Girardi post game or I forget who brought it up where I heard this. But maybe maybe it's time to consider using Tereus more in that in that position. You know, whether whether Bohm's out or whether Didi's out, play it. Tereus has been really 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 good, and you can't afford to make that first one. I guess it's debatable. The first one, the first mistake that Didi made last night made last night with second the, one's the Turner. The second one has to yet. Yeah, that's that had to be caught. He just he missed it. 
He just flat out missed it. The first one, I thought he should have gotten the first one, but you can make the argument that Turner hit it really hard. But I still think for, for the expectations that I have for Didi Gregorius and his shortstop play, he should have made that. The second one, there's no excuse. So for as much as Matt Moore is getting crushed right now, and understandably so, he gave up a pair of three-run homers, um, Didi contributed to what ended up being on base in those situations. Yeah, and I, I did want to get your thoughts on a couple of Eagles things here, Dave. Uh, as training camp opens today, very exciting day. And obviously, a lot of the talk has been around the quarterback position. Right. Jalen Hurts, the presumed starter, and the availability and these rumors of Deshaun Watson that right. just are not going away. Now, the NFL released a statement yesterday, or Tom Pelissar reported that, you know, nothing's happening with Deshaun Watson right mm-hmm. now. They're not suspending him, they're not putting him on the exempt list. Do you think this is something that the Eagles shouldn't? you know, look into from a football perspective, and do you think this ultimately has a chance to happen well, this offseason? I assume the NFL is still investigating they the are, matter. Right? But they're not making any any moves right now. Right, so if something could happen, right. right? Something could happen for the legal situation that he's in for the allegations that he's facing. So he could, he could you know, something could happen this season, next, who, who knows? This is my whole thing about Deshaun Watson, and I understand why it's being talked about. By the way, before I get, I'm curious. I've been hearing you say a lot lately that you, you don't understand why some don't want the Deshaun Watson thing to be talked about. I've, I haven't heard that. Who's who's saying that it shouldn't be discussed? Oh, no. I mean, if you looked at, like, the replies to the poll the morning show put up last Friday, right? it was like, why are we talking about this? How dare you broach this subject about bringing a guy like this to Philadelphia? Well, it's being talked about because uh, exactly. a lot of people are talking about it. So right. it's a topic. So if people are talking about it, that's why it's talked. But anyway, so here's my, my thing with Deshaun, Deshaun Watson situation. And I, and it's, I don't know. I think you're going to disagree with this because I know that you, you've been complimenting Howie Roseman throughout throughout the week and throughout, throughout your recent shows. The Eagles should not be in this situation, right? They should not even be in this situation where you even have to, again, wonder whether or not you need another quarterback. And they're in this situation because of Howie Roseman, because of Roseman's mistakes, failures, things that haven't worked out. Howie Roseman initially drafted Carson Wentz in sixteen. And before they won the Super Bowl, 2.0 Howie Roseman was dependent upon whether or not Carson Wentz succeeded. Minus 2017 and some other successes here or there, Carson Wentz didn't succeed. Then they picked Jalen Hurts in the second round. Whether or not that affected Carson Wentz or not, the bottom line is is that it was a topic last year. It was a distraction to some degree whether it affected Wentz, and it was a self-inflicted distraction caused by the decision from the Eagles front office to pick Jalen Hurts in the second round, instead of getting somebody else that could help immediately and help Carson Wentz, who did not play well for whatever reason. Now that Jalen Hurts is the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles, whether Nick Sirianni wants to name him the starter or not, which he should, by the way, now that Jalen Hurts has the opportunity in 2021 to be the starter for this season with a new head coach, new coordinators, new enthusiasm, new wide rookie wide receiver who everybody's super stoked about, right? A healthy offensive line, finally. This stuff is coming out about the Eagles are the most equipped to get Deshaun Watson. The Eagles are, have a 90% chance to get Deshaun Watson. And whatever whoever's leaking this or, or giving the insiders this or making the insiders speculate this, the bottom line is it shouldn't be because the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles this season 
should be Jalen Hurts. Based on what? Based what has he accomplished to, 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 to earn that job? Based on the fact that the Eagles picked him in the second round last year. Exactly. They to be used, a backup they, quarterback. They used to, and, and their other quarterback didn't work out. So you have the quarterback factory. I know he I know he said that that was a mistake comment, but he still said it. You have the quarterback factory. Jalen Hurts in four games showed some promise. He had some mistakes, mm-hmm. but he played well enough and he is enough of a leader or at least has has enthused enough of the roster to be given the opportunity to show what he can do this season as QB1 and not have all of this distraction around him about whether or not the Eagles should trade for Deshaun Watson. I forget who reported this, but I saw that the, that if the Texans are willing to trade Deshaun Watson. Didn't I read something like that? It's three first round. Like they're they're asking for an insane haul right they're now. They're not right? getting that right now. And no, I consider and two. No, no way should the Eagles part with multiple first round picks to get Deshaun Watson. Um, Who's, who could be in a legal situation. You don't know if he's going to be available. There are serious allegations against him. They shouldn't trade that much for him, even though he has proven to be a, an exceptional NFL quarterback. And they also shouldn't trade that for him because they should use those picks to build around this team and hope that Jalen Hurts, QB1, is going to be their QB1 for the future because they used a second-round pick on him. He proved well enough last season in the four games, and he deserves an opportunity to be QB1 right now with as little distraction as possible. And, and, uh, and minus you know uh, Joe Flacco being a competitor in the core value of Nick Sirianni's competition. That is it. But all this other stuff does not help Jalen Hurts in any way, shape, or form. And the Philadelphia Eagles, like you said earlier this week, I heard you, they have a chance to win the NFC East. It's not a good division. And they're a better team than the national media is making them out to be. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited to see Jalen Hurts. I think that the Eagles should have already named him the starting quarterback. And I think that they should roll with him for 2021. Well, and one more for you, Dave, because you talk about Jalen Hurts and the weapons surrounding him. Zach Ertz reporting to camp. Do you believe Zach Ertz ends up being an Eagle this year. It didn't seem like he was going to be, um, but you know he's still on the roster as of now. Do you think Zach, or- Zach Ertz is on this team week one? I think the only way that he's not on this team, and Howard reported this before, and I, and I can see how this makes sense, I think the only way that Zach Ertz isn't on this team week one is if another NFL team suffers an injury at tight end, and, they have, and, and like Howard said, they have interest in Hertz, and they're willing to give the Eagles something decent. But if but if Howie doesn't think that that Ertz is gonna that Ertz is gonna bring back an acceptable return and Howie I don't I don't see Howie parting ways with Zach Ertz and I you know what I think that's a good thing I get it he's an expensive backup I un, I understand that but he's here you haven't traded him to this point so you shouldn't trade him similar to Ben Sim, Ben Simmons you shouldn't just trade him just to just to trade him it, there should be some value in it. I still think Zach Ertz has some good football left in him. Well, that's the heartthrob. Dave Uram, KYW News Radio. What do you got coming up this morning, Dave, on, the, on KYW? We're going to be talking, breaking down everything that happened with the Phillies yesterday. E- everything from how the trade was reported and then it fell through, and then what Bryce had to say post game, how the irony, and then that Matt Moore had a bad game last night, all, all that with the Phillies. And also, since today is the start of Eagles training camp with the first practice. 
you're going to hear on KYW from Merrill Reese. You're going to hear Merrill Reese's nice. thoughts. That's great. As today is day one of Eagles training camp, and it's, an, it's, it, it's a really exciting day. I'm excited for Eagles training camp. That's very exciting. Uh, I, I, one of my friends went to a wedding over the weekend, and Merrill was actually like the MC who uh, was announcing the bridal party. <laughs> that's so great. that's pretty cool. So yeah. uh, that that's Dave Uram. Listen to him all morning on KYW News Radio. Thank you for joining. How are you us, not Dave? exhausted right now? When did, I'm you, tired. You know, you, how, did, you did the you Phillies, and I are grinders. You Dave. did that's the Phillies game last night. Uh, did, um, did you take a nap in between the the Phillies game? I, when am I going to have time to nap? I, and you I did go the, from the game. I come come here and do the show. And I'll sleep when I'm done for a little bit. And you bit. did the Phillies game the night before, yep. right? Oh. Yep. So Iron Man. You know how it is. So that's Dave Uram. Uh, coming up next, I did want to talk about the Jalen Hurts situation a little bit, uh, a little bit more, and I'll give you an interesting Jared Eikhoff stat uh, from Tuesday night, uh, which I didn't think you, Mike's already grimacing at me about that. It's an interesting stat. Uh, at least I think it's interesting. So we'll talk about that. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. Thanks to Dave Uram for hopping on for a few minutes. As you just heard, that last commercial of that break was talking about the NBA draft. We were supposed to do a mock draft tonight, but I just have very little interest in the actual draft. Like, I have plenty of interest, like, in whether big-time trades are going to happen. Like, last, last year's draft was consequential for the Sixers on draft night, not... They they got Tyrese Maxey, of course, but that was also the night they traded Al Horford for Danny Green. They traded Josh Richardson for Seth Curry. And I think the trading aspect of things is much more interesting on draft night than the actual draft is. I'm just looking at a mock draft right now. I I mean, I don't I honestly I'm not very familiar with a lot of these guys. So I don't think I could have done a mock draft even if I wanted to. I could have done one for the first five picks, but not really beyond that. Are you juiced up for this draft at all, Mike? Yeah, you know, I, I know these players, but, like, I, I just, I'm not really in, in the, not really interested in going inside the minds of the Cleveland Cavaliers and, like, trying to yeah. script out what they're doing. Not as fun as, like, NFL mock drafts. Not nearly as fun. Um, but I do want to talk a little bit, like, and, and, like, you look at the top few, like, Kate Cunningham should be the number one pick. I've seen him play. He's I think he's going to be really good. Um, you know, Mobley, Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs. Uh, other than those guys, it's like, I don't know. Jalen Green's the only one I don't really know. Because he, play, he played in the G League yeah. instead of going to college, which is an interesting route to take. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, what I am interested in is the trades that could go down. More Ben Simmons rumors. We'll get to those in the next segment. Um, but I... I He's before the break, and I know everybody's been waiting with bated breath here before we do a little Olympic talk. I said I had a Jared Eikhoff stat for you because the Phillies aren't the only team dealing with starting pitching woes in the division right now. The Mets are running Jared Eikhoff out there. So as bad as it is for the Phillies, I'd actually rather have Matt Moore, Vince, even Spencer Howard than Jared Eikhoff. I mean... Jared Eikhoff wasn't a major league pitcher five years ago. 
He's certainly not one now. No, he was five years ago. It just, I, uh, ever since eh, he got hurt, he wasn't. No, he was good five years ago. He's always been a guy. He's been one of those smoke and mirrors guys where he'll get by with, with, you know, if he's got great location one day or he's facing a bad lineup, he's never going to overpower you and, with stuff. In 2016, 197 innings, 365 ERA. He was like, it's a major league pitcher. No, well, I was never really an Eikhoff guy, but you missed out. Jared Eikhoff joined very interesting company on uh, Tuesday night because he had a terrible outing. He gave up 10 runs, and this was just mean. He gave up a grand slam to make it 10 runs. He gave up grand slam to Austin Riley, and then they left him in for one more hitter, and he gave up a single to Dansby Swanson. It's like after he gives up the grand slam and they put 10 on him, just go get him then. Like, do you really need to leave leave him out there? For that one more hitter, I feel like that's adding insult to injury. Well, it's just saving an arm. It's taking one for the team. Well, he just faced one more batter. Uh, but regardless, do you remember for when for Gabe he gave up five home runs in like two, three innings? Um, to the Arizona. I don't remember that. Arizona just like homered all night. Huh. I I don't remember that game. But Jared Eikhoff is the second pitcher in Mets history to allow 10 earned runs and walk five batters in a game. Do you know who the other one was, Mike? I'll say this. He has a very famous son. That is my hint to you. He gave up 10 and walk six? Five. Five. Give up 10 runs, 10 earned runs, uh, walk five batters, and he has a very famous son. They're the hints I will give you. Al Leiter. Question. No. Hmm. Uh, would you like to take one more guess? Um, what decade? A very famous son. Not a, a, a little more famous than like Jack Leiter. Okay. Yeah, much <laughs> more famous than Jack Leiter. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, what decade did this guy pitch? I believe, uh, you know, like around t- two decades ago. Something like that. Oh, uh, Mahomes. Yes. Pat Mahomes. Uh, Pat Mahomes. I don't know. Senior. Jack Leiter is pretty. Yeah, Jack Leiter and Patrick Mahomes. Have you seen um, Jack Leiter's contract? <laughs> and this turned into like, and what's going on with the Mets? They're having trouble signing Kumar Rocker now, I believe. They're, they're, they're in a holdup with that. I saw that. I have nothing to offer on that. And I didn't realize Kumar Rocker's dad is Tracy Rocker, the Eagles' new defensive line coach. Oh, uh, yeah. Everyone, I guess you missed out on it. Like, everyone yeah. was over talking about that for like 10 days. How about that? Then it just went away. Um, But. Uh, and then this turned into a social media gripe where everybody started quote tweeting the tweet with the same joke. Oh, great news for Jared Eikhoff's kid, you know, because Patrick <laughs> Mahomes is the best quarterback we've ever seen play. Um, as far as uh, talent is concerned, not goat status. Goat status belongs to uh to Tom Brady and Tom Brady alone, as Bryce proclaimed him the goat of all goats. Um, so. That is the interesting stat, Jared Eikhoff and Pat Mahomes. Pretty good stat, right? I mean, that's... that's yeah. And that was an August... Kept me tuned during the break. August 22nd of 2000 is when Pat Mahomes Sr. did that. So 21 years ago was your answer for when that happened. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. I wanted to get to some Olympic uh, stuff real quick because, as I mentioned earlier, I haven't been really big into the Olympics. Um... Now, the big story so far is Simone Biles pulling out of the individual vault competition uh, on 
I think this happened Tuesday morning. Like, I'm sitting at home after the show, you know, relaxing uh, before I go to bed, and uh, I'm I'm seeing tweets about Simone Biles maybe pulling out of this competition. I'm looking for the gymnastics, and I can't find it. And this will lead us into our, uh, our Mad Dog thing in a minute here. But um, I never know when these Olympics are on. I don't know what channel they're on. I don't know when it's live. I don't know when it's tape recorded. But... Simone Biles pulling out of the vault competition has been the big story. And apparently it was not injury related. It was mental health related. Now, my take on this, I really don't think it's as controversial as it's made out to be. If she feels it's in her best interest not to perform, then I'm fine with her not performing. Like, uh, you know, she's uh, basically a kid. Like if, if she feels like she needs to pull out of the competition, I don't know why there's like this great outrage about that. Um, I personally don't have a problem with it. I do have a theory on it though, because the more I've read about this, um, and this was when they were qualifying for the vaults a day or two before, one of the the girls on the team, Michaela Skinner, is, you know, I think she's like in her mid-20s, which for a gymnast is old. And she would not have been able to compete in the personal vault competition. There's only two people per country allowed to compete. And Simone Biles qualified as the ho- highest qualifier because she can pretty much beat anybody that she wants to beat and she'll still participate in the individual competition. She pulled out of the team competition. I have a theory that she pulled out of this so she could let her teammate compete in the team competition because she wasn't able to compete in the individuals because two people had already qualified. That's my theory on the Simone Biles situation is that she was actually doing it uh, for a teammate of hers who otherwise would not have been able to compete and who had been working very hard for this opportunity. Um, but that was my little theory on what happened there. I think a lot was oh, way too much was made out of the Simone Biles uh, situation. Uh, if she, if she doesn't feel she could compete, then, you know, fine. She doesn't have to compete. I don't get the outrage about that. Um, so that's come out of the Olympics. Anything else? I saw Katie Ledecky had a big gold medal winning performance on Tuesday night, but again, I don't know if it was really Tuesday night or if it was even on Tuesday could have been Monday. I don't know when this stuff actually is happening. I do know while we were on the air tonight, team USA defeated Iran in men's basketball. So they got their first win. They won 122 to 66, I believe, or 120 to 66. They were 40 and a half point favorites in this game. Uh, so they covered the spread. Team USA betters can be happy. But one person who I know did not watch this game was Chris Mad Dog Russo. And we always like to, uh, to play you the Mad Dog Rants. And as I have been telling you, I have had my own issues finding the Olympics and knowing when these sports are happening live, because I would obviously prefer to watch it live than watch it on tape delay. And this is something that infuriated Chris Mad Dog Russo. And as he puts it, NBC has totally ruined the Olympics for him. You know, I, I, I know they do the human interest stories. Here's the Olympic uh, watch party and, you know, 
Arizona, in Orlando. Oh, God, enough, please, enough, enough. Uh, you know, I, I have had trouble. I mean, I, I know the, I know the opening ceremony rating was, hor- they had 17 million watch it, which was, you know, basically 100% less than any other one that they had, you know, basically 50 million watch London. Uh, I, I know that, I don't know what the rating was on Saturday night. I like to, fi- I like to find that. Uh, but I'm having trouble so far. And then, you know, and then they, and after they're going to double down and they're going to start fooling around with this dopey peacock. And I screamed about this with the Federer French Open match. This is not the first time. Uh, when they put him on the freaking peacock and I was looking for scores all day, it really annoyed me. If they're going to sit there and they're going to put a U.S. basketball game on a peacock because they think they're going to get Chris Russo or, or, or a blue blooded, ma- uh, a blue blooded male, or, you know, they're so desperate to watch it. I just watched a million NBA playoff games, including the final which ended five days ago. If I miss USA France, I'm going to live. And if you're going to make it difficult and you're going to make me work for it and pay for it to see it, I'm out of there. I'm not, I'm not that into it. And then you give me a coach who's a sourpuss every time I turn around. I almost root against him. I'm out. Well, I mean, now I don't like my company here. Like, Chris Russo sounds so old in that rant. What were your favorite part of that, Mike? I, I feel like I liked how he's so against the personal interest stories. Like, it was pretty cool when the girl from Alaska wins the swimming and they're showing everybody back in Alaska watching the event live. Mad Dog Russo doesn't want any part of that. He doesn't want the personal interest stories. He doesn't want, you know, what are you watching for if you have no care about the athletes? Well, all right. My favorite part of it is that he thinks NBC is somehow responsible to for Jerry Colangelo and Team USA selecting Greg Popovich to be the coach. Well, I just love, I love how he just used the phrase, if you're going to put it on the peacock, yeah. like <laughs> on the peacock. So, he's not like as old as he, as he speaks. How like, old is he? He sounds like he's 90. No, I think he's like like 50. There's no way. There, he's got to be older than 50. I mean, that guy's got to be at least 60. He's got to be. All right, he's, 60, he's 61. He, okay. I thought he was all, I thought he was probably 70. Um, but <laughs> if you're going to make me work for it, then <laughs> nobody's making you work. If you want a Chris Russo to show up to your peacock yeah. and watch it. Always self-involved, that mad dog. But here was more because at the end, he does go after Popovich a little bit. Here was more from Chris Russo on uh, why he would be a better fit to coach the U.S. national team than uh, Greg Popovich. I mean, Popovich is such a grouch. You know, sometimes it's endearing because you like him, but, you know, you can't ask him a question. If you lo- if, if they lose, you know, you can, you know, if you ask him something, he jumps down your back like you're a peon, and he's the king of all coaches. I mean, this is a team that's got Durant and, uh, and Lillard, all right? They shouldn't be losing to Fournay Forn- and Gobert. I'm sorry. And here comes Holiday, by the way, uh, who just won an NBA championship, who showed up. This team should not be losing to this freaking team from France under any circumstances. And if you ask him about that after, the, you know, he got all upset after they lost in an exhibition game, he's yelling and screaming. He almost makes you want to root against the United States with his attitude. Oh, he's such a grouch, and he hates the media so much. Gee whiz. You know what? This is not little San Antonio, Texas, where you can intimidate everybody, and nobody's going to say anything in that small little southwestern Texas town. You know, this is, you know, you're supposed to be representing America here. You can't answer a couple of tough questions after a bad loss, and anybody who has the audacity to ask you a question is a, is a bird brain? Oh, come on. Cut it out. Gee whiz.
I mean, my goodness gracious, it drove me nuts. I can't listen to him after these games. If you ask him anything that is, that is looked at negatively, he just, what do you know about basketball? You don't know anything about it. Oh, shut up, Popovich. Will you please shut up? I'll tell you one thing. I guarantee you, if I was picking sides outside for my life and I had a choice of Durant and Lillard compared to Fournay or Gobert, I know which way I'm going. I'm going Durant and Lillard. I know which way I, I got a game to 11, and if I don't win it, I'm out for a month, and I don't get a chance to play. I'm picking Durant and Lillard. I'll let Gobert rebound, and if Fournay can make a shot, fine enough. I'll take these two, and I'm not going to lose. He did. He's he's right. I mean, Popovich, uh, he, uh, he, he checkmated him. He had, a, and, he had a chance, and he lost. My favorite parts of that is him not knowing how to say Fournier's name at all. And if you, like, there's no way he's 61. If you're using... The phrase "G whiz" twice—you've got to be at least eighty years old. Who uses the word "G whiz" under eighty? I mean, that's true. It's a, he's listed at sixty-one. I don't know. G whiz. Um, you know what, Jordan? But, <laughs> but uh, that's Mad Dog's table take on the Olympics. Very analytical, as always. I liked it when he said, "You know, he gave, gave a little X's and O's, a little, you know, inside of what he would do. He let Robert Gobert go rebound." And, you know, the game would be out here. It didn't matter what Gobert did. Right. Uh, so, yeah, that was uh, that was Mad Dog's take on the Olympics. When we get back, check! I did want to give you the latest on Ben Simmons as we lit up the NBA draft. Some more rumors floating around. Um, and the latest on Damian Lillard, who seems very torn about a decision that it, it seems like he's made but he's really afraid to make it public. So we'll get to that when we return. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you for another couple segments here. Coming up in the next segment, we'll kind of recap uh, what we've been talking about. We'll once again go through what happened with the Tyler Anderson situation um, from uh, Tuesday and how exactly that all went down. Deal fell apart. Phillies thought they were acquiring a starting pitcher, uh, and it fell through. He's now headed to Seattle. So... Vince Velasquez remains in the rotation. He will start Thursday. As of now, Spencer Howard is going to start again on Saturday. Uh, Apparently, the blister is healed, um, and Spencer is going to give it another go on Saturday. We'll see how many innings he can take down in that one for the Phils. Um, And Matt Moore, who gives up six runs in the first two innings on Tuesday night, for now, remains in the rotation. Phillies need to upgrade that spot. So we'll go back through that and then get to some uh, sound from Bryce Harper's press conference afterwards. He he was asked about the bat he's been using, and he seemed to take umbrage with the question. Uh, very interesting uh, situation we'll dissect there. Uh, so we'll do that in the final segment. Um, let's go to Dave in Cherry Hill. What's happening, Dave? Hey, good morning, Tom. Good morning, Dave. Yeah, listen, I've got a few things on my plate if you've got the time to hear sure. me. Yep. I'm, I'm going to start with Mia Kunis and Aston Kutcher. Oh, yeah. What, you, what is your thoughts on their, uh, on their bathing habits? Marriage made in heaven. They both agree 
they could. That's why they lasted twenty years. And, but, uh, but you got to you got to shower like consistently, though, right, Dave? Yeah, but if one of them was a clean freak and one of them wasn't, they wouldn't last. But since they're both the same, nothing's wrong. I guess, I guess that, but I'm sure there are some relationships in which one person is, uh, you know, cleaner than the other one is. I don't know. Well, it's possible. Yeah. Uh, next point. Okay. Uh, I wanted to compare Carson Wentz and uh, Simmons. They're both people that started off real strong with their new teams, showed a lot of promise, and gradually uh, did not got worse and worse. And I think they're comparative, and they... They both needed a change in coaching and in environment. Yeah, no, I think, Dave, I think there are some comparisons there as far as what's happened to them in the mental part of the game. Now, I still think long-term Ben Simmons' outlook is far more favorable than Carson Wentz's is because Carson Wentz is compromised from a health perspective. I think Carson Wentz is a significantly worse teammate than Ben Simmons is. Um, but uh, I, st- I do think as far as the mental part of the game and how they have struggled in that regard, I do see similarities there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's, there's definitely differences in their situation. They're not exactly the same. Just had that one similarity of uh, uh, actually uh, not fitting in in the long run with the same team. Um, <clears throat> the, second, the third thing I wanted to say and I've said this before to you, I don't want to bring it up too much, but I am definitely against trading for Watson. Unless Houston wanted to throw in a first-round draft pick with him, then I might consider it. I think if they, that, wait, if they give the Eagles a first-round draft pick? Yeah, that's what I'm looking oh, for. Oh, Dave, uh, that, that is... Uh, don't hang up on me. That is not... Ha- I, well, I will not hang up on you, but I can assure you there is no chance in hell of that happening. I know it. It just uh, points out my strong feelings against Watson. I just I think he's a bad teammate, uh, and I agree with that uh, caller uh, an hour ago that said that uh, Hurt is a winner, and that uh, I'm not sure that Watson is uh, not good for the team. And uh, I really think that the uh, the the Eagles are not going to do this. I think that the reason that they haven't named um, Hurts as the quarterback is because they did that with Wentz, and it didn't work out too well. Wentz was given the job permanently, and apparently uh, it didn't work too well, so now they want Hurts to have a little bit of insecurity. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's part of it, Dave, and I appreciate the call, man. Thanks. I think what the Hurts not being named the starter is about more than anything, and honestly, I think way too much has been made about why the Eagles haven't named Jalen Hurts a starter. I really don't think it has much to do with Deshaun Watson either. Like, I basically think it's it's what they've said, is that Nick Sirianni is very big into competition and that he just doesn't want to name starters. Like, they know Jalen Hurts is going to be the starter. And, you know, obviously if you trade for Deshaun Watson, that would change things. But I don't believe that's why they're not naming Jalen Hurts. I honestly think they want to go into training camp they want to make it seem like it's a competition it's not a competition nobody thinks Joe Flacco is going to win this job out of camp there's no way in hell that happens Jalen Hurts is going to be the starter unless they make a deal for Deshaun Watson and and we'll cross that bridge when we come to it but I do think that and I 
I say this as somebody that likes Jalen Hurts, and I think Jalen Hurts has more potential than a lot of people do. I think he's got a chance to be a good starting quarterback in this league. But I don't really understand where the confidence has come from from many Eagles fans in Jalen Hurts based on what we've seen. Like, I don't, I think we're overrating him significantly. And that's not to say that he doesn't have an opportunity to be a good player. I mean, I think he can be a good player, and I think he will be a decent player. But he was drafted in the second round for a reason. He was drafted to be a backup quarterback for a reason. Like, this team never projected him to be the starter here. And if Carson Wentz hadn't fallen apart, he wouldn't be the starter here. Now, maybe they struck gold. And maybe Jalen Hurts comes in and maybe he is, you know, the second coming of Russell Wilson, which is what I think many people are hoping for. But the odds of that happening are pretty damn slim. Like the odds are he's going to play okay. He'll be, you know, around like the 20th best quarterback in the league or something like that, 25th. And it'll do some really good things and it'll do some really frustrating things. And. It's going to be up and down. That's what you typically get from a first-year starter. But I don't understand this kind of confidence that Jalen Hurts, just because he won in college, is going to be great in the pros. Because we've seen in the past, um, that doesn't always translate, especially with a guy who has questions about his arm talent, uh, like Jalen Hurts had coming into the NFL. 215-592-9494, if you want to get in. Um, And I did want to mention... The latest Ben Simmons rumor real quick, because uh, the rumors are flying around. Draft Thursday night, free agency next week. I don't think Ben Simmons is getting traded by Thursday night. There's just not enough traction at this point uh, to make me believe that's going to happen. And I don't think it needs to. Like, if the Sixers are going to trade Ben Simmons, they can do it next week. They can do it at some point in August. Draft picks, I I actually feel like, are more valuable in the future anyway. Like... You know, what exactly is the value for the Sixers' 28th pick this year anyway? I don't think it's that that important where that's going to be the, the kicker in a potential Ben Simmons trade. You have picks down the line. They're probably actually more valuable because the team would look at it and think, okay, well, in a few years, Embiid's older. Maybe this team falls apart, and their pick would be much better and much more valuable to us in the future than it would be right now when they're picking late 20s. But uh, the latest proposal that was out there was Ben Simmons to Toronto. And this is apparently a, an offer the Sixers made to the Raptors for Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananobi, and the number four overall pick in the draft. Now, that's a deal I'd probably do because of the number four overall pick and because of the value that holds. You know, I don't know if I'd necessarily even keep that pick. I'd probably trade that pick and look to get a legitimate player for uh, whatever you could get. You know, maybe package four and one of the players you get in the Toronto deal for a player that can help you right now. But Toronto apparently turned that down, as you'd expect they would. Like, the number four pick is an extremely valuable asset, 
especially in a draft like this one where it looks like it's basically a four-player draft where there are four legit difference makers with Cunningham, Green, Suggs, and Mobley. And I didn't think Toronto would accept that kind of deal, and they obviously didn't. Um, And that's where we are right now. Um, There's reports that the Sixers could look to trade for Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry would be open to coming here in a sign-and-trade but only if you're paying him $25, $30 million a year. I'm not paying Kyle Lowry at this point in his career $25, $30 million. I just think that's that's insane for a player of his age who's a good player, not a great player. But the guy I still am focused on is Damian Lillard. And there was a, another report from Henry Abbott, uh, an NBA writer for True Hoop, who has been all over the Damian Lillard situation, who had reported on Tuesday that Damian Lillard is getting closer to asking out. That watching Giannis in the finals and playing on Team USA with Bam Adebayo, Lillard is as excited as ever about playing with a super athletic mobile big man. Now, to me, that would be very encouraging as a Sixers fan if that is true. Like, that would lead me to believe super athletic mobile big man that Joel Embiid would fit the bill as a guy he might want to play with. Like, a a big man who can help him get space through the things that he wants to do, I I think Joel Embiid would fit that bill quite well. Uh, You know who else fits that bill? Is Bam Bam Adebayo. No, it's true. (laughs) Um, It is absolutely true, but Bam Adebayo is not the player Joel Embiid is. I think... With a guy like Lillard and Jimmy Butler, you could free him up to do more things. But Embiid's a better offensive player than Adebayo by a, a large margin. He's better. I don't know how large it is, but he's, yeah, he's certainly better. Yeah, so, I mean, that's where you're at with Lillard right now. Other report, and, and it also says in there, Lillard at this point is considering going the James Harden route, where he would give up paychecks, um, he'd be willing to blow it up to get out of Portland, and that's really where the Sixers need needed to get to to get a guy like that. You know, you need him to make it ugly. And it seems like, uh, just reading into this situation, it seems like Damian Lillard wants out. He's just too scared to say it. Like, that's what it seems like. wonder what, if someone could like do a history of um, guys who blow it up and act like jerks on the way out. Does it work out on the other side? Because it seems like it doesn't. Like it seems like they end up going to the other side, and there's there's still a problem. Like they they don't just like all of a sudden become like a good team player, like a good, you know, good in that. That's regard. true. I mean, you look at Kyrie, you look at Harden. Owens. I mean, the, the Harden thing is kind of uh, incomplete. I would say. Yeah, I mean that's it, only one year, yeah. right? But I, no, I'm thinking Owens, but, but, Jimmy Butler. Like, yeah, but I don't look at Lillard as that kind of guy. Like, I don't think Lillard's a bad guy. I just think he wants out of this situation. I think. Wait, then why did he sign a five-year deal, like, not even two years ago? Well, because I think at that point he thought they would win, and he doesn't like what they've done to surround him since then. But they're not winning because he's not good enough. Like, at what point does that's he address where, that? That's where we disagree. Like, I He had think, no business losing to Jokic in that team. I get it. I get it. We've been through it. But I think it's because the guys around him more than Damian Lillard. Like I don't look at the Portland Trailblazers and say Damian Lillard's the guy holding that team back. I well, just don't see it that way. I think he's the reason why they give up 130 points a game. 
And I guess he's a reason they're not great defensively. He's also a reason why they're competitive at all. Like you take him away from that team, that's a that's a terrible team. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. So we'll see how it goes. Um, but Damian Lillard getting closer to asking out. I think he's just got to do it, and then you know we'll actually get some some action on that front. But like, what? Like, why is he need to like say he doesn't get his way immediately? I don't understand why he needs to blow it up. Like, I don't, I don't understand why he needs to like go that route because he wants to get traded this off season. So, but why? Like, why do to do that? Like, you sign a contract, show up and play. Like, in like, yeah, you're you're requesting a tra- maybe they can trade you, but like, I don't understand. Like, why do you have to be like, like <laughs> because that's how guys get out. Like, that's just how it happens. If you don't make it ugly, then they'll just keep you. I don't so. think that's always true. Typically, it is. I Chris mean, Paul got out in a very classy way both yeah, times. Yeah, I don't. I just don't. I, I don't see it that way. And I think he he looks at what Harden did, and I think he thinks that's probably the easiest like, way Dur- out. When Durant went out of out of both Oklahoma City and Golden State, he waited for his contract to expire. He didn't. He didn't, yeah, act, he didn't I, act like a you know right. A no, prick I, get, on the way. I, I get it. He's got four. He's got four years. You get very triggered about this Lillard thing. It was just because like he, this guy makes no sense, and it's like I don't. I, just I don't know why it, we're all jumping for this guy that makes no sense. And then, you know, you're saying he watched Giannis and that inspired him to, like, if anything, that should inspire you to stay there. Giannis is his eighth year in Milwaukee. Just reading what I saw in the report. Yeah, no, I'm not all, arguing. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure out, like, the psychology of this guy. Yeah, I just, I, I mean, I just think he wants to go to a better team. That's all. And, and just say that. Right. No, I agree. Like, I agree. No, I know you did he's say that. Yeah, say you did say it. that. Like, he's just got to come out and say it. Uh, and I think he's a. Worried to offend the fans of that city, but it's like yeah. if you want out, you got to say you want out. You can't I, just beat I, around the bush like that. I guess I just don't understand how Sixers fans are like watching this all unfold and watch this happen and go like, "Yes, sign me up, I'm in." Like what? Because they see the shots he makes and they see what kind of offense. The shots he, he allows to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think the shots he makes are more important. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. If you want to get in in the last segment of the show, uh, we'll get to Jimmy when we get back. I'm Tom Kelly, Sports Radio ninety four WIP. Sports Radio ninety four WIP. I'm Tom Kelly with you for. One more segment here before we talk to Al for the Overlap Show. If you want to get in, uh, maybe time to squeeze in a call or two. 215-592-9494 is how you get in. Uh, talking about the Phillies much of the night here. As they lose 6-4, to four, starting pitching hurts them again. Uh, not all Matt Moore's fault. Um, Didi Gregorius, two really costly Non errors is that we played you earlier infuriated LA. He was upset with the scoring um, that that Didi was not given errors on those plays that he botched. The Turner one, I'm not sure he deserved an error for that. Um, little bobble. Uh, Trey Turner's obviously a difficult guy to to throw out, uh, but open the door. The Nationals end up getting three on the Josh Bell homer in the second inning. Didi absolutely should have caught the pop up in foul territory. Doesn't catch that. Um, Robles ends up working a walk. Juan Soto ends up hitting a bomb later in the inning, and the Phils fall behind six nothing. And when or six to one, and when you get in that situation, it's just very hard to come back. And the starting pitching has been a major problem. Here was Joe Girardi after the game on the starting pitching. Been a little bit more difficult as of late. You know, we did a pretty good job. 
you know, for four or five series. And, and lately we've struggled a little bit, and we need to do better. Um, that's the bottom line. We've got to find people to get us outs, and we need to do better. And uh, the Phillies were trying to address that situation on Tuesday. And here's how things uh, kind of went down. Um, where it was about 4 o'clock and news had broken that the Phillies had reached an agreement with the Pirates for Tyler Anderson, starter, left-hander, um, not a huge difference-making type of guy, but an upgrade over what they have. Like, you're in a situation where you're throwing out Spencer Howard, Vince Velasquez, Matt Moore three out of every five days. Not that not that big of a statement to say he's an upgrade, um, but he's a guy who's pitched well for the last month and a half. Really, from the middle of June on, he's picked it up, and he's pitched well. Seemed like the deal was done. Around 6 o'clock, it's revealed that there's a snag, something to do with the medicals of one of the Phillies players, and all of a sudden the deal um, may not go through. Now, this is on the pregame show. Right around 6.35, Dave Dombrowski joined Scott Fransky, Phillies on deck. Here's what Dombrowski had to say at the time about the Tyler Hand Anderson pending deal. No deals are done at this point. Okay. Um, we've moved in some positive directions with some conversations, but uh, we don't have any deals that are done at this time. And that was all Dombrowski had to say. That's what kind of what you figured he would say. Uh, but it still seemed like the deal was going to get done. Normally when these things happen, they do end up getting through and the Phillies will make some sort of adjustment. Maybe they replace the player in question with a different player and you move forward. Well, that doesn't happen. We get to like 1130 last night. Jeff Passan breaks the story that the Seattle Mariners have jumped in and they are trading for Tyler Anderson and, um, it was very interesting as Bryce Harper held his post-game press conference where Bryce also gets asked about the personnel decisions. Uh, here was the back and forth when Bryce was asked about the Tyler Anderson deal. They've been working on this trade all day with Pittsburgh. You have, have you been watching that? Have you been keeping tabs on it? Do you have any idea where it is? No. I mean, I know they said that we acquired them, and you know, I think uh should be here tomorrow, right? Something like that. Is it? Do you hear it's complete, or do you think it's been completed? Or it's going to happen. I haven't heard anything else. I mean, I just heard before the game what happened. Do they like acquire? You know how to acquire it. So I have no idea what. Uh, I, okay. I I'm sorry. Okay. Because it you, appears to be stalled. You can tell me because I have no idea. So. Well, it just appears to be stalled. Not maybe not dead, but not trigger pulled yet. <laughs> Is that from our side or their side? Uh, they, it sounds like they have reservations on one of the players. One of the players, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've I have no clue. Uh, I haven't I haven't talked to Dombo or Sam about that, so um, I, mean, I, I have no idea. I'm sorry. I just can't get over how he calls the team president Dombo. <laughs> like they're on a re- they're on a real comfortable basis. Uh, Dombrowski and uh, and and Bryce. What do you think he called McPhail? 
I don't think Bryce talked to McPhail very much. I don't know. Maybe they had a good relationship. I don't know. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I do. It, it, Bryce does sound like a front office guy from our side or their side. Um, he, he really wanted the information on that. And I, I feel like Bryce gets out of that press conference and he like wants to meet with Dombrowski immediately. Like, he wants to get Tyler, Dombo down here. Get me I want to know why this deal's being held up. He wants to see TA's medicals. Yeah. And that wasn't the only weird thing about Bryce Harper's post-game press conference. Now, obviously, Chris Bryant has been a big-time name at the deadline. Chris Bryant, who's now rumored to be going to Gabe Kapler's Giants in a deal that could be centered around Joey Bart, uh, the San Francisco catcher, a good young prospect that the Cubs might want. Blocked by Buster. And maybe Chris Bryant, right, will will head out to uh, San Francisco. But... It was spotted, I think, during Monday night's game that Bryce Harper was using a Chris Bryant bat. Now, Ninth inning. Bryce does these kind of things where he sends these kind of subliminal messages. I don't, well, I don't know if it's subliminal, but, you know, he had all the sign JT stuff last year. What, did he have it on his cleats at one point, sign JT, last year? I don't remember that. I, I believe he did. Uh, I could be wrong. On I swear that. he yelled it to an empty stadium. Right, in the, during the practice. Um, but uh, he's using this Chris Bryant bat, and it was an odd answer when he was asked about it during the post-game press conference. Uh, here was Bryce's response when, when Matt Breen asks him about the bat he was using. Whose bat did you use? Excuse me? Whose bat did you use? Who's asking that question? Breen. Who was that? Matt Breen. Oh, uh, KB, I have for about what's that? Been about three weeks now. Yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. What? Well, why did he get so like offended by that? He didn't seem to like the question. Is Salisbury the only one allowed to ask questions? Why? Well, yeah. Who asked that? <laughs> like honestly, what do you care? Who cares? Just answer the question. I, you know, I obviously we watch and listen to all these. Like Matt Breen's an active participant in these. Like it's not like he's just out of nowhere. Yeah. And like he seemed like 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 he didn't want to have to answer that. I don't know. It was just odd. And then he like coughed while answering it. Too. Yeah. yeah. And I I did want to throw this at you, Mike, real quick as we wrap up the show here. But oh. um, uh, Jim Bowden, as he did a piece uh, or an- did like a mailbag type thing. Um, I'm not sure exactly who it was for, but he's on the athletic. At the athletic. That's what I thought. He was asked, what is a dark horse trade you could see happening that would have the potential to shake up the postseason race? And I would do this deal pretty much no questions asked. I want to know how you feel about it. And Bowden's answer was, the Twins send Jose Barrios, starting pitcher, Byron Buxton, and Josh Donaldson to the Phillies for Spencer Howard and Alec Bohm. Would you do that deal? (laughs) Uh, Definitely trade Howard. Um, I would have to talk to Donaldson first. I need his body language looks like crap, and it has for. But I mean, I, I guess basically since he showed up in Minnesota, he's a weird guy. Donaldson. I don't know what his deal is. I just I, w- I would want to talk to him, figure out what do you want to play here, do you want to be here, do you like Harper, do you like JT? What do you like? What are you feeling here? But those three guys on paper would make this team significantly yeah. better. Yeah. So I think that's an interesting, interesting one for him. To well, and I just I think so little of Howard. Like what he's right. he'll, he'll he could be a good reliever. That's fine. Yeah, I have no interest in in uh, keeping Spencer Howard at this point. Uh, so that'll do it for the show tonight. I will be back on 
Thursday night, filling in for Joe Giglio on draft night. So that'll be fun. We'll be riding with the King from 6 to 7, so that's always enjoyable. Uh, so I'll talk to you Thursday night at 6. Next up, we'll talk to Al for the Overlap Show. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.